Welcome to the third and I think final episode of Game Face Freestyle. Uh, Sam will be back sometime tomorrow, I believe. He emailed me and said he had extended his trip a little bit, uh, but he should be back in the studio for next week. So this is the last episode of our all willy-nilly yeah. freestyle episodes. Although I will not be here next week. That's right. Yeah, we'll have a no- we'll have a guest host next week for uh, Game Face. I'm not going to ruin the surprise for you guys yet, but we'll have someone else. Matt is out on vacation, so... Uh, Although I don't get three weeks like Sam does. Yeah. So. <laughs> He'll just be gone for a week, so we'll have a guest host in here with me next week. I uh, just want to mention Labor Day weekend is this coming weekend. PAX is going on. Um, but I just want to let you guys know, on Monday, actually Labor Day, Sifted will be AFK. We are taking the day off. It is Labor Day. Yeah. And uh, we are taking the day off, so don't expect a lot of curation going on on the site on Monday. We will be there throughout the weekend to curate all the hot stuff from PAX, though. Well, actually, I'm wrong. I will be here next week. Oh. Well, that solves that. Never, <laughs> Never right. mind. That's right. You're out the 15th, right? Yeah. Yeah, so Matt will be here next week. The week after, we'll have a guest host. I thought that was the case. but So anyway, uh, Labor Day, AFK on Sifted. Everybody should probably take the day off, eat some hot dogs, hamburgers, drink a couple beers, maybe. Makes you wonder what huge gaming story is going to break yeah. Monday morning. <laughs> Something will happen, you're right. And you're going to have to, you're like, ah, oh, yeah. I have to put it up, and then it's all gone. Yeah, well, PAX West is happening this weekend, but honestly, the last couple years of PAX West, it's a great yeah. event, but there really hasn't been much information. Yeah, it's kind of like, well, I guess what Gamescom's kind of becoming, where it's like, yeah. the public gets to touch stuff. You hear a lot of indie stuff, maybe, yeah. but uh, nothing huge. Yeah, and in fact, a lot of the indie stuff that uh, they're going to announce this weekend, the debut trailers have kind of been rolling out over the last couple of days already. So we will be on it uh, Saturday and Sunday, but come Monday we are taking the day off. I'm actually flying back to the East Coast for Labor Day. Wow. Going to do my big fantasy draft with uh, this, my league that's been going for like 20 years and see my mom and my, my father <laughs> and mother-in-law, people that I never get to see because I live all the way out here. So... With that, let's get on with the show. First, Matt, we're going to talk about Battlefield 1. There is an open beta going on right now, if you guys don't realize it, on every platform. Completely free. Just go and download it, and you can play. For starters, some jack-off hacking group hacked the servers yesterday, did a denial-of-service attack Mm -hmm. on the Battlefield, or actually, I think it was like EA's entire server infrastructure. They already did uh, Battle.net the night before, so they moved on. Ugh. Why? Why do these people get off so much on ruining everyone else's good time? So, Matt, you were actually unable to play it because their servers were down. Yeah, servers were down when I had time to try to jump in, so I didn't actually get to play it. Yeah, um, I jumped on late night last night, and I did get to play it. And uh, it was a big problem because I started <laughs> playing at, like, 11.30, and I could not quit Sifters. I played until, like, 3 in the morning. I had to get up at 5... We're shooting the show early today because I am taking off tomorrow. We need to make sure we get the show up for you guys before the weekend comes. So I got like five hours of sleep before this, but because I enjoyed Battlefield 1 so much. I mean, I think part of it is that... At last, a non-disappointment. Yes! Yes, I am not disappointed in Battlefield 1. I had a blast with it. Um, For starters, I think part of it might be that I haven't played Battlefield for a while. Mm -hmm. Um, I played Battlefield 4 online for review... And then maybe played it like another month after that, something like that. I didn't really get into it like I typically do Battlefield games. And uh, this one I can see maybe the fire being rekindled a little bit. 
Uh, I think really the only issue I had with the game is that the netcode still a little... Yeah, well, dicey. Dicey, mm -hmm. that's right. So, uh, as we said last week, uh, and the game stutters a little bit. I can't tell whether it was latency or the engine, but look, I was in 64-player games, and uh, playing a game with 64 players on a console is unusual, a rare. Unusual, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> extremely unusual. And so for it to run, here's one thing I noticed, and I've noticed in general over the years, is when I first start playing an online game, sometimes I get lag at first. But then it, like, after a while, it seems to like settle in and play better. I don't know why that is. I don't know if there's any technical reason behind that. But I've found that throughout all my years of playing games, sometimes the first couple games I play, it'll be really laggy. And then eventually, I don't know if I become like the host, or I don't know what happens. Mm -hmm. In this case, obviously not, because it has dedicated servers. But eventually it smooths out, and that's what happened with this game. Um, I really like it. it there's, there are no real twists to it. I guess the first thing I would say is, you know, all the, the big hubbub about the trench warfare and the hand-to-hand -hand combat, like, it really doesn't change the game that much. Like, you have this crazy bayonet charge where you click the stick, and then you literally run... Hmm full speed with the bayonet stuck out for like a good like 30 or 40 yards. It's kind of it's kind of cool and it's kind of crazy. It's almost like a new version of like the roadie run from Gears mm. of War. Like it's kind of a new thrust mechanic for first person shooters I haven't seen before. Um, the loadouts are like huge. Like I was shocked at how much equipment you got to take out. I have not got to the point where I can customize my own loadout all that much because I haven't unlocked that many things. But uh, I was pretty impressed with the amount of, of gear that you get. Uh, but it has, like, all the stuff Battlefield has always had. It has a squad spawning. Mm -hmm. You can spawn in any vehicle you want at any time. Uh, when you go to spawn, you can see all the vehicles flying around the map or driving around the map. Just put your icon on it, select it, and you get warped right down into it. How big are the squads? Six, I think it is. Right. Yeah, they're pretty big. Um, I did not like the two-man thing in Battlefront. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of that either. It's not enough. It's no. like just two guys. That's not a squad. That's a duo. Yeah, it's a, <laughs> and you're both probably gonna be dead. Yeah, yeah. When it's time, when it comes time. Oh, I, I like the squad thing. Is that you know that was the, always the biggest problem with early Battlefields was like, all right, five-minute jog back to where the action is, and like you know that squad thing really sort of fixed that to a large degree. It happens a little bit still. Yeah. I still found myself like. I would, because whenever you spawn, it'll show, like, the map. And it's really cool, actually, because it'll, like, zoom out of the map. You can see everything. You select where you want to go, and then it zooms back in. Almost like it's real time. I don't know if it is, but it appears that way. And uh, so it'll have icons. Like, you'll have your base, and it'll tell you if there's a plane there, if there's a horse there, or if there's an armored vehicle there. And you zap down, but sometimes somebody gets in that vehicle and takes off before mm. you. If there's only one... Oh, yeah, because it's Battlefield. Yep. So then you're stuck, like, running from... Because the other thing, too, is that, like... <laughs> You know, a lot of times it's like a conquest mode. Mm -hmm. So you start at your base, but at that point, like the pushed front, all the way the up, front yeah. has been pushed up like four checkpoints or whatever. And like, yeah. So there's still some of that like run, 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 mm -hmm. run, run for five minutes, sniper shoot you in the head, you die. I miss, like, the, I miss the old days of uh, Battlefield 1942 where like where it all first started and everybody would just try to steal the planes. Yeah, yeah. And then, and then no one had learned to turn friendly fire off yet, so like people would just shoot the plane down before <laughs> it could take off. Yeah. Oh, gamers are, we're such dicks. Yeah. When we don't get what we want. Yep, and then the vehicles, I really like those too because every position in a vehicle actually has something viable to do. Mm. In some Battlefield games, every this once in like a while. passenger. You, yeah, every once in a while you can. Everyone else has a turret and you're just sort of. <laughs> you're just sitting there looking out the window. Out. Mm. Yep, at the, at the very least you can always at least shoot your gun out of a vehicle. Right. And like the, I think my only disappointment with the vehicles is the biplane. 
Uh, when you're the gunner on the biplane, you're looking backwards the entire mm. time. And whoever's flying the plane isn't thinking about you shooting stuff. Right. They're thinking about them shooting stuff. So they're always trying to get forward-facing to an enemy or whatever. So the only chance you ever really get to shoot anything is if they pass a plane. You see them for that brief moment. You try to, like, <laughs> shoot them. Like... But one thing I love about the planes, and this has been a part of Battlefield for forever, is that you can use them as a courier. So you warp into one to start a match. You let the plane fly over whatever point your, your, your team's trying to take, and you jump out and parachute down. And they get shot before you hit the ground. But... Not really a thing in World War II, <laughs> it really but World War I, but okay. And then obviously uh, the other big addition I can't is... wait for the Civil War game where you, you fly around in like the little dirigibles and parachute <laughs> out of those. The Wright brothers yeah. like drop you <laughs> And then the other you know big thing that people are talking about with this game is the horses. And... Man, I'm, I'm kind of torn on the horses. It's fun and it's kind of goofy. I mean, I guess that's the best way I could put it, but it's also, like, silly. I, I know mm. you said it, like, historically it's accurate, but when you see it in the context of a video game, like, it's it's pretty ridiculous. I mean, one well, the, thing... The, like, the jousting videos and stuff that have gone up look pretty silly. Yeah. I mean, the whole thing is silly, because... It doesn't look like it really quite has the control down... The controls are okay. I mean, I, I wouldn't really fault them for that. But, like, you have a gun and you have your sword. All you gotta do is just pull the trigger. And if you're near someone, it just kills them. Mm -hmm. So, it's, like, weighted really highly. Also, there was one time I was in, arm in an armored vehicle with a chain gun. <laughs> and a dude on a horse comes running by. And I literally just lit him up for, like, 30 yards. And he never died. And he went down <laughs> over the hill. I was like, that's one tough horse right there, man. Holy cow. So, I bred for that. It... <laughs> I mean, there's a cool element to it. Just seeing a horse on a battlefield with, like, a tank and all this other crazy stuff going on is cool, but it just doesn't really seem to fit. It was a weird war. Yeah, apparently so. It makes it for a weird, like, element of There's no other game. war. I mean, it was, like, that weird mix of, like, you know, old style and new technology, and, like, there were no Geneva Convention rules yet, so there was, you know, that's why you had all the chemical warfare. I mean, yeah. it was... Horrific, like yeah. it was both like ridiculous and horrific, like like every possible part of the scale. So it's a fascinating war if you can get your mind around the really arcane European kingdom politics that led. It's like unless you understand like all the infighting in Europe that goes back like hundreds of years, like none of it makes sense as to why you would break a war out over this. Yeah, yeah. But it's like it was really like the last hurrah of like. You know, the hundreds. Ride an animal the, yeah. into battle. Ride an animal, but also the hundreds of years of like, oh, like we're you know, like war is like a gentleman's pastime. Yeah. You know, it was like, oh, we're gonna get our armies and line up and have our little skirmish and maybe take this county or this river or whatever. And now I was like, no, when we do that, like thousands and thousands and thousands of people die now. Yeah, yeah. Like we can't. Like it's not like the 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 squirt guns have graduated to acid basically. Yeah, yeah. We can't do that anymore. And, and like a lot of shooters, campers are everywhere. Mm. There's nothing more frustrating than, like, having to jog, like, a mile to get mm. to, like, a point and have some dude just laying on the ground inside a building to shoot you in the head. It's <laughs> like, ah! You ever wonder who that guy is and what, you know, it's like, so are you, you're just you spending the whole match, this? like, laying in a barn waiting for someone to run past you, and then you look, it's like, oh, you got, like, seven kills yeah. in, like, a 30-minute game. Yeah, yeah. Like, was that entertaining to you? Some like, people only care about their KD. That's all they care about is, like, their kill-death ratio. So, when did that start? Call of Duty. Yeah? Yeah. Like, I, I, because I'd never heard, it was Abby that started bringing up KD. I'm like, what the, what's KD? 
KD. Oh, you mean what started KD? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think it's also Call of Duty. I think you're talking about camping. Oh, no, I knew camping. (laughs) I mean, uh, but like... KD ratio, definitely. KD ratio. Like, all of a sudden, like, she's like, what's your KD? I'm like, what the hell? Like, KD Lang? Like, I have, like, I have two of, the, I have two of her albums. It's pretty, you know, pretty, I, I, it's a weird Do you really thing. have two KD Lang Probably. albums? Probably. <laughs> I don't know. Somewhere in my CD pile. Yeah. You know, that I haven't looked at since 1997. Yeah. But, like, um, yeah, I was like, oh, really? Who cares? Like, I, yeah. I, I can't care about my... Everyone's so like, oh, hey, my, my KD is positive. Cool. You know, I was like, yeah. that's about as far as I go. My it, KD is super high in Battlefront. That's well, about it all the depends only time. on what mode you play. I mean, yeah. if you play team deathmatch, your KD does kind of matter. Like, if I were to say you're like at a basketball court and you're picking players, like taking turns picking players, if I were in that scenario and I was playing team deathmatch, I would obviously take the person with the higher KD. Oh yeah, but I'm used to getting picked last in those scenarios. Yeah. So. <laughs> That's cool. But know. if you play, you know, capture and hold mode right. or whatever, like a lot of times you sacrifice your life to take a point or whatever, and in that case, it's, it's more about your score. Mm-hmm. And you've even seen that with Call of Duty. Like, it's shifted from, like, it doesn't really have kill streaks anymore. It has score streaks. Right. And that was kind of their attempt at mitigating the whole KD phenomenon and people becoming obsessed with their kill-death ratio. So, Because that's the thing is, like, in order for you to have a high one, other people have to have low ones. So exactly, it's like, yeah. You know, there's no way around the. It's like, oh, you got a low. Well, don't make fun of the low KD guy because that's why you have a high one. Yeah, yeah. Know? Well, you need them in the game so you have the yeah. high one. Everyone's got to die so you can you can be so good. You can live. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it seemed like a limited metric for because yeah. I don't care about team deathmatch. I've always been more of a objective. I actually usually play guy. mostly team deathmatch. And like, uh, I just. You know, this is like how Quake 3 didn't last very long for me, because I'm like, ah, yeah, it sure is this. You know, like, I yeah. liked when, you know, uh, Battlefield and uh, before it Unreal Tournament, like, introduced the, you know, the, the King of the Hill stuff and the, the Capture Point stuff and Unreal Tournament, like, really held my attention for a long time. I mean, yeah, I played a lot of Team Deathmatch on Facing Worlds, but who didn't? So. Yeah. I always look at Team Deathmatch as, like, the purest form of a first-person shooter. I would agree with that. Because it's basically, like, who's the best right. player at shooting? It doesn't take much strategy. I'm not, so I don't right. care. Like, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, I'll play something else that's more fun for me. But like, yeah, yeah team deathmatch is probably the, yeah, that is the, pure, you know, that is the one-on-one fighting game, fighting match of shooters. Yeah, what I find is I probably play seventy percent team deathmatch, thirty percent everything else. Mm. I think if you look in the player counts for most modes, I think that's pretty average. Maybe team deathmatch a little lower, but it depends. I th- I think usually I've noticed at least on consoles that like. Uh, well, Battlefield is pretty Battlefield much is all Conquest. Conquest, yeah. Um, but other than outside of that team, I mean, Call of Duty's team deathmatch yeah. all the way. Yeah. Partly because or that's, hardcore team deathmatch. Yeah. Or, well, partly because that's the mode that works best. It is. Yeah. <laughs> so like it's the, easiest to balance as well. Right. As long as you're, you're not your spawn points work properly and people can't spawn camp easily, then mm-hmm. I played a lot of hardcore team deathmatch on uh, Modern Warfare, and Modern Warfare Two. Like that was my favorite mode. I have one friend that's all he'll play. He'll only play hardcore. Yeah. Well, because it. it's also like, at least you know, like it wasn't some weirdo one-off that you got. Because like sometimes you're like, I shot that guy four times in the chest and I just I just fell over dead. But at least in this was like, oh, like one shot basically. You 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 went. So it's like you know one burst who fire, got basically. that hit and yeah. uh, it just felt a little more like oddly it felt a little more fair yeah it also kind of eliminates the spray and pray guys yeah who just like run around like a maniac with their gun going all over the place like also in those for whatever reason in that mode i respected the snipers more yeah because if they get caught it's over oh yeah basically but also they're deadly even more deadly than normal because 
even if they hit you in the chest with a sniper, you die. Because mm-hmm. sometimes, like, if you're playing, like, in normal mode, they can shoot you in the chest, and you, you'll, you'll lose all but, like, 10% of your health. And you're scrambling, mm-hmm. like, trying to get into cover before you can, like, deliver that second shot. So I'm having a blast with Battlefield 1. In fact, right now, like, I want to go play it again. Like, I'm having a ton of fun with the game. Uh, 64 players. The maps are huge, but I never really felt isolated in the game. Like I said, there's a couple times where you go back to base and you try to get a vehicle and there isn't one there and you're by yourself running. Uh, but for the most part, with the and way the spawns are set up... Jeep. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But for the most part, with the way the spawns are set up and uh, how you can just kind of zap in with your squad or at any of the points that you've already captured, like you're almost always in the action. It's quick, it's slick. Can you share a horse? Not that I've seen, no. I think it's That's one man per horse. It'd yeah. be cool to be just like hop on a guy's horse while you're, and you're like, get off the horse, get off, get off. Like, well, it's funny too. Like I noticed like some people just ignoring the game and just riding around on the horse. Like <laughs> way off of the map, like on a ridge line. Like you just see the horse like trotting along the ridge line. Like people are kind of role playing it a little bit, which is kind of cool. Um, but yeah, what I've played so far at Battlefield 1, I'm really impressed with. I highly recommend you guys download, uh, now the servers are up, like the DDoS attack is done. Um, and they were a little shaky for me last night, uh, but as I said, as I played, they got better. Uh, just having 64 players in a console shooter mm-hmm. is, is, is there any game last gen that had that? Did, or does Killzone Shadowfall have 64 players? Maybe? The launch game for PS4? I can't remember. I don't know. I, I didn't play that long enough. I don't know. I think I, th- I feel like forty-eight is as far as they went last gen. What does Battlefront have the most? What's its max player? Battlefront is forty-eight. That's I think. what I thought. Yeah. So it's or awesome. Is it sixty-four? I don't remember. This is how important this is to me. Yeah. But yeah. Like, um, <laughs> well, forty-eight to sixty-four. Yeah. Is not I don't. Much of a I don't think it's sixty-four on console. I'm pretty sure it's not. Yeah. Well, it's it, the PlayStation, and I, I'm playing the PlayStation 4 version. I'm not playing the PC version, and it uh, it seems to handle it pretty well. Uh, graphically, maybe not quite as impressive as I thought it was going to be. Looking mm-hmm. at the trailers again, I'm only playing multiplayer. I'm sure the campaign, if there is one, will look a lot better. Uh, it looks it's probably, I mean, for a game with 64 players in it, I would say it holds its own with Battlefront. Um, I think Battlefront looks better mm-hmm. on the whole. But uh, when you take into consideration, you've got another dozen players like yeah. in each match. Plus, like the players are more. I mean, I think one of the things that Battlefield has an advantage of is uh, stormtrooper armor is not that hard to model. Yeah, yeah. Really, you know, because <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of detail on it, but yeah. it's like, you know, those look the, the stormtroopers look really good. Yeah, you yeah. Know? And and uh, well, they have like the sheen on their armor. The sheen, and all, but like they're also like it's it's much easier to do CG versions of, you know objects and oh, they, yeah. you know pretty much every flying vehicle you've seen in a movie or a television show in the last 10 years is CG. Yeah. Like they don't they do not rent those things and shoot yeah. them anymore. <laughs> it's cheaper to do cuz like you can't tell the difference. And um like so I think the stormtroopers maybe like ease the load a little bit. Like yeah. if you have to do two sides of like fully human people, like maybe that's harder. Yeah, I think one thing I would say is and again, I've only played Also the environments like are pretty busy on Battlefield 1. Yeah. Like, there, there's a lot going on there. That engine's good. Uh, I mean, it is good. I mean, there was tons of times where, like, I'd be running up to a point, I'd see, like, an enemy, like, armored vehicle or tank coming at me, and I'd, like, dash into a building and think he didn't see me, and, like, next thing I know, kaboom, and all <laughs> the walls, boosh, come down, and you're just like, oh, snap. Like, <laughs> I know it's been a part of Battlefield for a long time, but it, it just never gets old. Yeah. And it's also something that you're still not getting in a lot of other shooters, so mm-hmm. there's, to me, there's still a lot of value in that. So... 
I'm really impressed with, with uh, Battlefield 1. I'm having a really good time with it. Um, I won't be able to play this weekend, or I would say let's jump on and play together. I think the beta actually runs for like a long time. Like, I think it's like a week. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's one of those, like, it's just a weekend and it's done. You might want to fact check me on that, Sifters. I'm not 100% certain, but I do believe it runs for a much longer period of time uh, than the typical beta. So get in there. It's Labor Day weekend. What else are you going to do but play a great video game? And it's free, so I highly recommend jumping in there. Uh, next, Matt, we're going to talk about a game that a lot of people are calling a portal clone called The Touring Test. Mm. Are you been playing the game this week? What are your impressions of it? Uh, it's a portal clone. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, there's no way around that, yeah. for sure. You are a female protagonist in a first-person puzzle game with a specialized gun, uh, alone solving puzzle rooms with an AI being sassy to you. I mean, really? it is, I mean, it is portal. Is that blatant? I mean... The AI is more, um, I mean, it's, it's supposed, it's more of a, it's not a comedy. It's a, um, suppo you know, it feels like a serious sort of like, you, you're woken well, up out of a hyper... kind of a dark comedy. Sort of. I mean, there's no comedy here so far. It's like you wake up out of a hypersleep thing and you're, you have to go down to Europa, the moon of Jupiter, and find out what happened to the rest of your crew. And uh, you have your AI uh, assistant for the mission, uh, Tom, uh, and he uh, sounds a whole lot like the narrator from the Stanley Parable. I haven't actually, I haven't <laughs> actually looked up him. to see if it is him, but it sounds a lot like him. And basically you solve puzzle rooms to find the crew um, and uh, with the assistance of Tom. And you end up in like these conversations. So, so like, basically each room is like a discrete puzzle. And whereas Portal was like figure out how to use the Portal things to get through. This is purely like you have a gun that can like the, all the all the locks for all the all the power nodes are run by little power balls and your gun can suck them out of the nodes and okay. store up to 3 of them and then there's also like blocks with power in them you can like carry around and stick into the thing so and like some of the nodes can you can use either the 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 ball and the gun or you can use uh you know a, a physical object or some of them only use the ball and the gun and then some of the balls are green and they only like they intermittently provide power so you have to use those to get through certain things uh or not use them to get through certain things cuz sometimes they won't open stuff long enough for you to get across or whatever right um but basically that's what you're doing you have your gun can summon the the energy through any kind of open space so a lot of it revolves around uh take the take the block one plug it in somewhere so you can get somewhere so you can see the non-block one suck that in and use it to open the exit door you do that over and over and over and there's some moderately like clever permutations of that but you know obviously the most interesting thing about portal was the fact that it had that weird spatial trick it was doing where like you could see through them to the I mean you know, yeah, right. just kind of that mind bending yeah, yeah. like you know physical element of being able to to break the world like that and that ain't here. Oh, really? it, you know it's just I mean you're literally just I mean it's not dissimilar from the witness and it's like every single puzzle is the same. Uh, you know it's just, it's all the same kind of because thing. Because Portal did a really good job of introducing what at first seems to be really simple mm. fundamental concepts and then teaching you them very well. And then gradually moving you to this place where you start doing things with those simple concepts that you could have never comprehended when you first started mm. playing the game. Yeah, the, the there's not as much potential because I think Portal you, you have the advantage of the the breaking of space, you have the advantage of free placement of where that happens, and you have the advantage of the uh, keeping inertia when you go through the portal that like is used for the you know launching your, your out yourself out and stuff, and like how you know Portal's so good at. Um, 
you know, you can launch out of stuff, you're moving at full speed, but you still have the aim control to, like, place a portal exactly where you need it. Yeah. Being able to aim and, like, nail stuff, like, pull, you know, there's, there isn't any puzzles so far. I mean, I'm about a little over halfway through the game. There has not been a puzzle where I had to, like, leap out of a thing. I mean, there's just not, there's no jumping, really, in this yeah. game. And, um, so instead of kind of having that big, like, kind of, you know, toolbox to use, like Portal does, this one is, like, there's a lot of really clever ways they go about changing how you have to kind of figure out where to get the energy to bring to open the final door of a, of a room. But it's all kind of, you're all sh you're shuffling the same card deck over and over again. And there's some interesting stuff, and they do, like, build, you know, now there's, like, you know, now in Chapter 3, like, you see... You run, you're running, oh, there's light bridges or things, and for that, you can, you know, they, they have, now there's, like, things with whole, like, reservoirs of charges, so instead of, like, just instantly turning off, when you pull it out, like, it has a little timer that runs out. Gotcha. Um, so it's stuff like that, but it's like, and then every time you go into a new room, like, you and the AI are constantly having this conversation about the nature of AI and whether AI can be creative versus humans. And you know the you know That's what the Turing the test is. Of portal as well. There's a little bit of that. Somewhat, but it's like it's much more straight. It's much more um, uh, Discovery Channel than uh, Comedy Central. <laughs> right, if, right. If you if you get like yeah, I understand what you're saying. And uh, you know, it, there's hints that maybe Tom is not quite on the up. You know, there's there's some twisty stuff that happens later on, um, which like I don't know. I, I, All the reviews for this game, by the way, said derivative. Until the end. Yeah. Um, I'm not there yet, so I don't know what that is. Yeah. Um, well, it sounds like you're getting there. Yeah, but it is pretty derivative. Yeah. Uh, it's not bad. Um, but is like, it good? Yeah, it's good. Like, it's... I mean, if you're into... If this kind of puzzle does it for you, like, you know, there's, there's a lot of different permutations, and, you know, it's, it's kind of a nice little... If you, if you know enough about the current state and theory of AI... A lot of this is going to be review. Yeah. If you don't know what a Turing test is, it might be pretty interesting because most of what they're talking about is real. Yeah, yeah. It is. And um, and they do or a at pretty least loosely based in reality. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's an actual working theory that people trying to develop real AI are working from. Maybe it may or may not be right. Yeah. But, you know. Chatbots. Right. <laughs> they do that. You know, they bring that up. Oh, they There's do. a whole conversation about the chatbot thing. Um, it's like the big sensation now. Like we curate yeah. some of the publications that we curate from aren't 100% games. Like, mm -hmm. some of them, like, Vice. Like, they have a games channel, but they also cover entertainment and other, like, science and stuff like that. And, man, chatbots are, like, the thing right mm. now. Like, VentureBeat is another example. Yep. Like, VentureBeat covers all kinds of stuff. But we, we have all their content coming into our admin because we don't want to miss any of the game stuff that they do. And literally, like every day, VentureBeat has like five stories on chatbots. It's insane. Yeah, well, that's where it'll happen first. Yeah. So, you know, once you pass that, you know, because and then like you know, there's a lot of talking about the Chinese room yeah. uh, thing, uh, the actual puzzle, you know, the actual thought experiment, not the developer that insulted The Witcher. Because um, <laughs> like no one, <laughs> no one remembers that now. Yeah. Um, but it's you know it's like so clearly they had something to talk about. They had something, it's like it's it's weird to me how they went so portally with it because yeah. you're inevitably going to invite comparisons and you are not going to win that comparison. That's that's a good point though. To we should probably discuss this. How do you feel about blatant ripoffs like this game? Yeah, that's a, do you think they're good for the industry? You think they're bad for the industry? I think they're a tradition for the industry. Yeah. I mean, it, does anyone remember the NES? Because <laughs> most, like, half that library was, like, Mario clones. It I mean, was, yeah. I mean, there's always going to be that, you know, there's always going to be the hot thing. 
All the Mario 64 clones right. that have come Mario 64 thing. You had all the terrible fighters that came out in the wake of Street Fighter Mortal Kombat. You have, yeah. um, you know, and, you know, obviously there was all the, you know, military, militaristic shooters that were still kind of recovering from that problem uh, in, in the wake of Call of Duty. Kill, with killstreaks, all these um, other games started oh, yeah. trying to do killstreaks, and now they're... You know, I don't think there, there aren't even kill streaks at all in Battlefield yeah. One. And now at this at this point, I would actually say with the advent of VR, we are starting to see that happen. With I never thought I'd say it, we're starting to see that happen with Space Fighter stuff. Yeah. Like there's a like for for a genre that like disappeared from about 1999 until maybe four years ago. Like all of a sudden, it's like God, there's so many Starfighter games. Like I don't. And, well, then Eve Online went free to play this week. Yeah. Which is a huge deal and, after uh, ten years. And it's just like. You know, there's cycles of that, and I'm surprised there haven't been more portal ripoffs. Frankly, yeah. this is this is probably. Well, I think it's because it's not an easy game no, to design. Not. Like you have to have a really smart person sitting there designing those levels. Like not even if it go beyond really smart, like mm. borderline genius, you'd have to be to yeah, design well, I, all the puzzles. I wouldn't put this on the level of portals puzzle yeah. design, um, but it is good. It is fun, and it is interesting um, for the most part, and it does support VR. Um, uh, it exposed an interesting quirk in my VR setup uh, in that every time I would open it, it would start Steam VR. It would start the Vive up. And uh, I'm like, what are you, why, why are you like doing Like automatically. That? Yeah, it would just start it up. I'm like, why, why are you doing that? What are you doing? And like it wouldn't not do it. Wow, and, and it would just kept, kept starting up. I would close it. And if I closed the Steam VR thing, it would shut the whole game down. Wow. And like it wouldn't display in the goggles, but it would like still start. I'm like, well, I don't just want it on. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. let's not like leave it on when there's no reason. Finally, I had to dig more and more. It turns out that was that some quirk of Unreal Engine Four. Oh, really? That like likes to do that, and so I had to go into Steam. It automatically triggers it. Yeah, basically. and I had to go. And other games do that too, but I'd never seen one do it so insistently before. And it turned out I had to go into the developer options of Steam VR and uncheck like auto launch Steam VR when a, when a uh, an application supports it. So yeah. there's, I guess there's an it's like there's a there's an option like if if you're if the game can be VR. Uh, it will launch in VR, which is a weird thing to have on by default, but there you go. I guess it's so people don't think their headset isn't working. Right, right. Um, so that was, that was fun. So thank you, Turing, <laughs> Turing Test, for uh, helping me pass my VR test, I guess. That was weird. Um, so, like, I don't know if it's worth 20 bucks. It's $20? It's 20 bucks. How long have you played it so far? Like three hours. Yeah. Um, I'd say it's Do about you like you're getting near the end? Yeah, no, I'm halfway. I'm oh, okay. A little more than halfway. Judging by how many chapters there are in the I mean, thing. if you're a huge Portal fan, yeah, I mean, it's no probably problem. worth 20 bucks. Yeah. Because like, I don't know if we're ever getting another Portal. If we do, it'll probably be for VR, is yeah. my guess. Or, or, or they'll just repurpose. There's a lot of mods, like user mods, that make some pretty good stuff for yeah. Portal if you want to go that route with it. Um, there's a VR Portal. Like, somebody did, like, 10 VR missions for Portal, which is pretty cool. But, um, yeah, it's, like, it's, like, it's weird because it's so much like Portal... But at the same time, when you think about, oh, like all the, I can't really think of a lot of Portal clones, frankly. There aren't any. And nobody really tried, you know, nobody really has the balls to try that one because it's such a high bar. And while Turing Test doesn't hit that bar, it's still pretty damn good. Like if Portal had never come out, we would probably be looking at this game and be like, holy crap, like what the hell? Like, you know, well, Portal did come yeah. out like a long time ago, though. So, uh, so, and it's like, I would say if you also, if you like the drift, this is not entirely dissimilar from that in terms of tone and setting like it's it's there's a lot of work that clearly went into trying to make this a believable it's, that's, that's also kind of like one of the, the dissonant things about it is like there's you know at the beginning and end of every chapter there's sort of a room 
uh, you know, every chapter ends with like a room where you find like, oh, this is the crew quarters, and you sort of like look around and see like find some information out about the story. The story kind of makes a, a, an environmental, you know, storytelling moment kind of thing, and um, those sec those areas are incredibly detailed and incredibly well thought out. They, you know, there's like a lot of thought went into what would this look like if we really did have this installation, this mission to Europa. And so, like, those are really cool and believable, and then the rest of the game are these, like, incredibly miles and miles of, like, puzzle corridors that you could only figure out with this one particular gun. And you're like, and, like, there's supposed to be some, if, like, the, the crew built all this to hide from the AI. Because you've been in, like, hypersleep for, like, years. Uh-huh. So, like, theoretically, I guess the crew has been building incredibly complex puzzle rooms... <laughs> so the AI can't find them, and that's why sense. the that's why the AI wakes you up because right. he doesn't have the creativity to figure these things out. And there's right. a whole thing where he's like, you know, the first puzzle you have to um, the very first puzzle is like a, you know one of the block things, uh, and you have to like drop it through a window and then go through the door and pick it up and go. And like later on, he's like, I would never have thought to do that. Mm-hmm. And and you know, so, so like that's yes, the idea is like you are more cre- you're creative in a way that he can't be. So there's sort of this feeling of like, oh, okay, so you're you need me to help you get to the crew, and but then it's like, do you want to? Should he get to the? You're, right, you're, you're, right. There's like that kind of like, that question of like, why are they running? Have they all gone crazy? Is the AI gone crazy? Like, yeah. There's like a there's a fear of a hidden agenda, right? That but you don't and like but you don't even know who has the hidden agenda right. or. If they both have hidden, yeah. So there is like that definite sort of walking simulator unfolding of the mystery. But if you stop to think and you're like, "Wow, the, I don't know who the puzzle designer was on this space crew, but they <laughs> somebody really missed their calling." <laughs> the exobiologist should have been writing for Puzzle Weekly or something. Yeah, going back to the whole clone thing, I just kind of want to mention that I feel like clones are important because. Mm-hmm. A lot of times they're not good and they and they fail, but they show a lot of times they expose things not to do mm-hmm. with that style of game. And and obviously this is really the first portal clone. I can't think of a, really another one. Not really. I mean But with other genres, you talk about three I mean, like, platforms. There's things and, that took like element you know, like Stanley Parable clearly takes the element of walking through a, an area with a narrating voice sort of driving the the action. Mm-hmm. But, like, in terms of, like, that plus puzzle rooms plus story unfolding as you... Like, this is the only example of that I can really think of. But, yeah, a lot of times, like, you even think back to, like, the N64 era with a lot of the 3D platformers that came out from third-party publishers. Like, Mm -hmm. they showed what not to do. Yeah, at the very least, you're like, wow, Mario 64 really is good. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. And uh, that's happened with pretty much every genre. You know, when it comes out for the first time, other people try to imitate it, and they kind of show people, they show the developer what not to do in the sequel, mm-hmm. I guess, for, in a lot of cases. And so every once in a while, they like... They certainly serve a purpose. Well, every once in a while, they'll, they'll hit on something good. Yeah. You know, like some, one yeah, of these... One little be, tweak or something Oh, hey, like that's that. a good idea. Maybe when someone makes a good ver- good game, they can use that. Right, and they'll actually enjoy it and play it. I wouldn't say Turing Test is that far gone. Yeah. Like, it's it's still worth playing. Yeah. Especially if you liked uh, Talos Prince. Yeah. I guess would be a, kind of maybe the closest other analog, um, but um, yeah, it was kind of it was a nice surprise in that like oh wow this is it's sort of a slow unfolding of like wow this is guess kind of like Portal oh this is really <laughs> like Portal oh my God this is they this really is want to be Portal like is they, and then this sort of like slow realization of like oh this isn't really gonna get any more interesting like in terms yeah. of puzzle mechanics and like will you go back and finish it. Uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, I mean, 
it's real short, really, and uh, the story's... I mean, yeah, everybody's talking about this twist, and I have a bad feeling that, like, it's going to be one of those things where it's like everybody says, like, oh, my God, this was amazing, this twist was incredible, but the fact that I've, like, you know... I mean, man, like, I, I put on, like, science podcasts and stuff just to listen to when I'm doing, like, a repetitive game. Like, uh-huh. I know all this stuff already. Right, I, you know, right. I, know, I know, I'm aware of, you know, I've heard the Michio Kaku lecture You on think this the one. twist... And I feel the twist, to me, is going to be like, oh, yeah, that. Sure. Gotcha. Yeah, so I'm worried it's going to be that, but hopefully it's more of a narrative twist than, like, a, ha-ha, modern technology theory you didn't know about thing. Like, I'm hoping it's going to be more of a more of a 2001 ending than a, like sunshine ending let's put it that way gotcha so this morning nintendo didn't really do a nintendo direct it was mm. another one of those pre-recorded jobs that they've done uh for the last few installments um all based on the 3ds um you know for for us we've mentioned on the show we kind of thought the 3ds was kind of heading out the pasture uh we know the nx or at least we think the nx is kind of this console handheld hybrid mm. That's the case. Holy cow. Like, Nintendo showed a ton of new 3DS stuff today. Um, probably at least the biggest one for me, a side-scrolling Pikmin game for the 3DS. I'm, I'm Didn't praying call to, that one. No. I am praying to God that this is not, like, the Pikmin that Miyamoto's been saying is, <laughs> has been done for, like, ever. Because, um, you know, I don't, I don't know. Cause probably the, is. The way Nintendo works, it's like, They'll call things differently internally than what they ultimately call the game oh, and yeah. show it to everybody. So this could have been like Pikmin 4 that we saw today that Miyamoto has been. been talking about. Because he didn't say it was right. like... And they have a history game. of like kind of doing that thing. It's like, no, we, we, that, we, we gave, gave you Pikmin. <laughs> I mean, to me, it all goes back to that the interview with uh, Reggie with Jeff Keeley, where like Keeley was like, where the hell are the games? And, and Reggie's like... We got Animal Crossing, yeah, yeah. and again, Jeff's like Reggie, and, yeah. it, and like he wouldn't budge on that. And I'm just like, okay, so Nintendo didn't care what you want. They're like, they're gonna say, like, oh, that counts. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a real thing. Federation Force is a Metroid game. What's wrong with you? Like, yeah. That argument does not hold water. No, really. especially now. <laughs> like, okay, it was one thing when they're on top of the world and they didn't need to like really cater to. Uh, well, they did, but they didn't know it yet. They didn't need to cater to the kind of the core demographic. But yeah. now it's like. Dude, you better make us happy. Yeah, like really real fast. Big like, time. I mean, I love the Pikmin universe. I love the Pikmin characters. I love the Pikmin aesthetic. I love Pikmin's music. So I'm pretty excited for this. I mean, it's certainly not like an RTS, like mm-hmm. the original Pikmin. I mean, games I figure were. it won't be bad, but it's sort of that thing where it's like, sort of that line of lineup of games we've had for the last year, year and a half from the minus Super Mario Maker, where it's just well, like. Not so fast, man. Yeah. They announced Super Mario Maker for 3DS. Yeah. This is, this is feeling like a PSP lineup. <laughs> it really is starting it's to. like, hey, right? would you like to play inferior versions of the thing you already own on the console? But you can walk with it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so Super Mario Maker for 3DS, I think that was... We probably saw that yeah. coming eight miles there away. There will be a Super Mario Maker for everything every Nintendo touches forever. Every released yeah. until infinity. Isn't it going to be interesting in like 10 to 15 years where there's a generation of kids that like... No Mario as, as the that, game, they that make. game where you make levels yeah. and don't like so they'll put out like a retro Mario game and they'll be like how come you can't make stuff yeah I'm okay with that I've mentioned before that I was not a huge fan of Super Mario Maker I like it and I respect it and I think it was a really well created game and up to Nintendo's usual standards but I'm just kind of over 2D platformers in general like I've just played so many throughout my life like going back to like Pitfall and the Atari 2600 like I've played 
I can't tell you how many hours I've spent playing side-scrolling platformers. I mean, it must be in like the thousands and thousands of hours I've spent, and it's like all the little twists they bring to them or whatever. Like I'll try them for like a couple hours, and I'm like, I get it, and mm -hmm. I just kind of move on. It's, it's honestly probably one of the only genres I think I would ever say that I'm like over. Hmm. I don't know if I'd go that far, but I, I Mario was never my my choice yeah. of my choice of poison, so to say. Like. Um, I just I always found Mario creepy. Yeah. Like there's a, there's a weird like off-putting element I of Mario. I think that's what is kind of cool about it too, though. Sort of, but like I don't have any kind of like sentimental attachment to that world or his characters world. or any of that. Um, and like so so on the one hand, like I didn't play them obsessively to the point that I'm sick of them, but I do I do like 3D Mario better. Like I think oh, without well, a, a billion times more. And also, appar apparently, I'm off in fucking crazy town uh, because my favorite 2D Mario is uh, Super Mario World. Yeah. On the Super Nintendo. Eh, Whereas, like, apparently, the correct choice is Super Mario <laughs> Brothers Three. Right. Um, which I always found I that left me completely cold. Yeah. At the, back in the day, back at the time, because I'm like, what happened to the background? Like, it just, I just, I hate the art direction, the art style of that game. And Mario World was more like, oh, like we've taken. Like you know what was in the original game and sort of extrapolated in the 16-bit world, and now it's like all weird and crazy and colorful and awesome, and you can fly and stuff like. So like I always like I like the weirdo Mario. I mean I don't like Mario Sun. I guess Mario Sunshine would be the weirdo 3D game. I think it's Galaxy and World to me. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, they also announced Yoshi's Woolly World for the 3DS. I want 3DS. a super. I want a Sonic Maker. Sonic Mario. I want a That's Sonic a the Hedgehog Maker. I'm surprised Sega hasn't announced it already. I'm not because Sega doesn't do good things. <laughs> Sega sometimes brings Yakuza to the West. That's about all I'll give them these days. I mean, a Sega maker or a Sonic maker would... Sonic maker would be great. It would probably be their best-selling game of the year. Yeah. Without a doubt. Yeah, that's like a really good idea. So you, you can have that one. <laughs> You're welcome, Sarge. Uh, Yoshi's Woolly World, Wii U game, did not sell especially well. Now it's coming to the 3DS. Adorable, though. It is an adorable game. Uh, really nice looking, too. It doesn't look quite as good on the no, 3DS. No, not, not, not as good The on Wii U game is like stunning. Like it is literally probably one of the top three or four games released for the Wii U as far as uh, graphics mm -hmm. are concerned. They have like, I don't know if you, did you play the game at all? So there was like the a Wii dog. Yeah. Yeah, a little bit. So you know Poochie the dog. Yeah. He actually is playable. I also know him from The Simpsons. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's actually playable oh. in the 3DS version. They have a couple levels built just for him. And yeah, the graphics have been downgraded pretty significantly, even looking well, at it on the be. small screen. Yeah. yeah. But uh, I think that's maybe a case. And they do have like all the levels from the Wii U version, plus extras, plus the Poochie stuff. And I think that's just a case of Nintendo trying to recoup some of the money on the investment in that game, because it didn't really sell well in the West or in Japan. So... It's like Nintendo trying to milk a little extra uh, honey out of that game. Uh, I think, in all honesty, my, the biggest announcement today was the new Street Pass stuff. Mm -hmm. Did you ever get into Find Me and all those Street Pass games? Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, I didn't go much beyond that, but I, like, I still bring the 3DS to like you know events and stuff for Find Me and the, the puzzle thing. Well, I'm sure you remember if you've ever gone to a convention with your 3DS and had your Street Pass on. Oh yeah. Like you walk five feet and it was filled. Ten. 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 That's all you could ten. have. Ten. Ten. Yeah. Ten. And then you have to sit down. You have to sort through all ten. Oh, yeah. And you walk another fifty feet and it's full again. A few E3s ago, I actually sat down in that center breezeway to check my my thing and I, I got 10 and by the time i was done doing it i had 10, 10 like, more i yeah. sat there for almost an hour just processing me's like it was, i don't know what's better though because so now they've expanded it to a hundred i think that's good because a lot of times i've missed a lot of puzzle pieces because i don't oh, have yeah. time to continually look at 
at my 3DS when I'm doing so, or I forget about it. And it'd be it'd be nice to be able to just sort of sit down at the end of the day and go. Th- and I mean, that'd be that'd take a long time. That's what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> like you get a hundred in there, like. That's a lot. I think as long as that, you know, because like right I now. I understand why they capped it at 10 is what I'm getting Right. I'm well, to I say. guess like right now, um, you know, you have the 10, and like if you want to, you know, you can do them all, and then like you can't really accept more. So I, maybe if they change that, so you can just, you know, I have 100, I'm going to go through like 20, and then like I can put it away, and more can come in while I, you know, if you, if you kind of make it a sliding. Sort of stack. Stack. Yeah. So like it, it, you don't have to like empty it out before you can get more. Like that, that would be good. Maybe, they, maybe they can figure out how to do that. But like, I'm all for more, more me's get being able to step. I mean, that I also like. I hope they do a cool. Way I just of, love that feature in general. Oh yeah, I, I love like it. But I hope they do a cool way where like when you get a hundred people, because you, know, you have the lineup of ten. Yeah. I hope there's a cool way where they show like a hundred people. Well, they up. show there's like, yeah, groups. Like your mm. your me is in front, and then there's the group of people oh, like okay. coming towards you behind you. <laughs> Run! Yeah. Um, I, I didn't get, to, I didn't get to watch it because that went up so early this morning. Yeah, I feel like that feature is something Nintendo should have expanded way, way more than it did. Yeah. Like when the 3DS first came out, like at GT, we were completely and hopelessly hooked and addicted to that feature. Mm. Well, they had all those other games, you know, like the Garden and stuff like that that came out. But like, I never played any of those because, like, a they cost actual money. Right. And uh, I didn't really use it enough. Like this might well, encourage me. Most of the me. games suck. Like really, yeah. the only game that was worth playing was Find Me. Yeah. I mean, the kind of very simple RPG that was just stock, stock on the system. They have introduced again today some new mini games. There's like a slot car racing game and a couple others. Um, I haven't played them yet, so I can't really pass any judgment to say whether they're going to hold up to uh, Find Me or something like that. But in my opinion, more is good as far as that feature is concerned. Mm-hmm. So it is one thing that that uh, the 3DS does that really nothing else can do. Like, there was a point where I was actually thinking about doing an app that would be, like, a Find Me for mobile, for, mm-hmm. like, iPhone and Android. Um, when I was working on, like, Sifted and a bunch of other ideas that I kind of had on the back burner. And uh, there's really, the technology just really isn't there for it yet. Mm-hmm. Like, you have GPS, which is very rough, but it's like, you don't really know if you pass someone directly mm-hmm. on the street with GPS. And so... The technology isn't even really there for mobile at this point. So it is a uh, clear advantage of the 3DS hardware that it can do that, and I feel like Nintendo should have milked it a little more than it did. This is one case where Nintendo did not milk something uh, as much as it should have. Uh, Let's see. The Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword on Wii U backwards compatibility. I think maybe another case of them trying to get a little more juice out of a game that didn't sell as well as maybe they hoped. But also just sort of like, please, please wait for Breath of the Wild. It works You know, either... Just constantly trying to appease the Zelda fans at this point, and so that's interesting. That like, you've really hit a point now where, um, you know, it, I, I guess it's kind of nice. Where like with the Wii, but if you have a Wii U and a 3DS, you can play every Zelda game ever made. Yeah, you can. Like yep. once that's out, like that's pretty cool. Yeah. And I hope I hope they keep that philosophy up for the NX, where it's like you can maybe get everything you you know all, your whole Nintendo experience sort of in one one or you know. One or one end related boxes kind of thing. It would be too smart. Too yeah. smart. <laughs> Which means it'll probably never happen. Yeah. And I'm also <laughs> very interested in the future of Skyward Sword because, like, obviously this will work on the Wii U because you can use Wii controllers with yeah. it. I kind of have this feeling that unless they decide somehow to completely rework that game in the in future generations, that's going to be a lost Zelda. Eh, well, maybe. Because the, the Wii U controller thing can only be supported for so long. 
And at some point, you're not going to be able to play that game except like on an emulator. I mean, according to rumors, the NX has waggle. All right. Well, if they never. But how long? You're right. How long are they going to proliferate that out across generations? I mean, it seems to me that eventually Nintendo is going to have to take the time to make a version of that game that works with a traditional Mm -hmm. game controller. You're right. Like someday that day is going to come if they want to keep making money off Skyward Sword because. You're right. How much longer are we going to be able to use these Wiimotes? Which I'm happy about. Like, I'm glad that mm-hmm. I bought these controllers so long ago. Yeah. And now we're coming up on, like, the third iteration of Nintendo platforms, and I can still use that motion yeah. control. Well, so. I still have the, uh, you know, the gold one that came with Skyward Sword. Yeah. The so only, only good thing about buying Skyward Sword. <laughs> I um, enjoy Skyward Sword. It, I did not It was like disappointing that, but... compared to most 3D Zeldas, but I still enjoyed it. I didn't. I got through, I think, two dungeons, and I was like, done. Well, you almost I, finished the game. <laughs> yeah, I heard later on. I didn't realize. I was close. I was uh, just not. It was funny because like that game had a lot of what I really wanted. Like you know, because like Zelda and, and Link were actual characters this yeah, time, yeah. and there was like a lot of expressiveness to them, and and they were they were trying to like kind of for better or do worse. a slightly different story <laughs> with them, and all. You know, at least they weren't going by formula. Well, it had that goofy like overworld thing where you'd fly on the bird. Oh yeah, and then you just like drop see. down and like. <laughs> I'm like, God, you guys really are afraid of making an open world, aren't I think you? It, was, it was the bridge game, right? Yeah, it pretty much. It was them finding... That was the middle ground yeah, between what they were doing. you can kind of see the transition from right. Twilight Princess to uh, Breath of the Wild through that game. Uh, and I also really like the art style in it. Yeah. Um, I should like Sometimes. Skyward Sword more than I do. Sometimes it looks amazing. Sometimes it looks terrible. Yeah. Skyward Sword. That yeah. art style does not play well across like all environments not the whole thing, yeah. and all characters for whatever reason. And then you also you also had the uh, that fatal bug. Oh yeah. It's like if you did something I don't remember you what it was. You get trapped in a room, right? And you couldn't get it, out of yeah, the room. Yeah, it was like if you did something uh, <laughs> at the wrong time, you could basically hit a point where you could not. You were stuck the game. in a room, I think yeah. is what it was. You could not get out mm-hmm. of the room. Yeah, huge mistake there. Uh, the only other game probably worth mentioning from the direct today, uh, Mario Sports Superstars. For the 3DS again, like like we said, this was a 3DS Direct. Um, but it looks like some of these sports are like a big deal. They're not mm-hmm. just like these little goofy mini games things. Like the soccer game in it is like full 11 on 11 hmm. soccer. So it looks like this isn't just like a crappy mini game compilation where the soccer is like try to score on the penalty kick. That's good because and the football game is like throw the football through the right. ring or whatever. That's good because even though um, you know the it's 3DS, but it's like the, those, Bless you. those Mario sports games have just like seemed to vanish. Disappeared. And well, like the soccer the... one was great. Strikers was really good. It was, yeah. They put out the tennis game at right. the end of last year, I believe it was, and it reviewed horribly. It was not well received by critics. It looked like, again, just a quick cash in. But this one looks like at least a little bit more effort has gone into it. But again, it's a 3DS game. Um, Nintendo did crack a couple jokes today in the direct about like. You know how people are gonna be disappointed. We're not talking about the next hardware. There was some, yeah, there was some tongue-in-cheek <laughs> stuff in there a little. You got bit. thirty days, boys, or but, I don't believe it's coming in March anymore. But you know what I hoped was that at the end of this direct, they have a little. They'd be like, "Here's zinger. the day. Yeah, here's the day. Like, okay, nope. next month, this day, the biggest Nintendo direct in Nintendo direct history, whatever is coming. They didn't have to say it was NX. Like they could just say it's coming, and that's all it would take. Mm. Reggie just looking at the camera saying it's coming. Get your bodies ready. Get your body ready, exactly. <laughs> like, that's all it would have taken. They did nothing. No. A couple offhanded comments throughout the show, but uh, I don't know, man. I don't know if it's going to happen or not. I don't know. It's looking, I think it's looking bleak at this point. Like, Nintendo doing two directs in one month? Unlikely. I mean... Unless, like, 
I mean, unless it's like a last minute sort of like, you know what? We should get the 3DS thing out of the way right now. Maybe. Like, we should do that, we should do that now, get out of the way, because the NX is going to be all-encompassing. I would also think Nintendo, comes. instead of doing a direct to show off its new hardware, it would actually do a live press event so people could actually get their hands. Because that's what Nintendo does. When it shows new hardware... After the press event is over, there's always a room that the mm. journalists can go to to actually put their hands on the hardware and play the hardware. I feel like that event might happen, but it would not be what they broadcast. I think they will do a pre-recorded thing to put out on the net while you've got the journalists and influencers uh, yeah. at this at an event where they get to have hands-on time and a presentation or whatever. But I feel like... I have received no invitation from Nintendo. If this event is happening no. like in the next month, like I've got nothing... I mean, look, that would be my theory, but like, I also will not be surprised if it's just another direct. Yeah, it could they, be, and because like they don't, I don't know. Like, I don't know what Nintendo. It's hard to predict Nintendo's next move on this thing because they've been so cagey about it, yeah. especially in the whole like, oh, we don't want people to. No one's going to steal it. Trust yeah. me. Well, at this point, me. it's like a month away. Like, <laughs> yeah, there, there's no stealing it now. Uh, one final thing on Nintendo before we move on. Uh, more rumors coming out this week again from someone who had broken stuff in the past. Which none of it has been proven true yet. Nothing with the NX has been tr- proven nope. true yet. Uh, but the latest rumors are NX could be region free, and it'll have a uh, social share button like the PlayStation Four, where you can share your gameplay and your screenshots and oh, all that stuff. <laughs> I guess. I mean, we kind of already had that with like Meverse. I mean, yeah. it wasn't just like a dedicated button or whatever that sent you to Meverse, but you could go to Meverse and share all that stuff mm-hmm. on their social network, and so. Meverse is kind of a pain, though, so anything is, to streamline yeah. that process would be nice. It is, and it's also highly censored, and mm-hmm. you know, I'd rather be able to just link into existing social networks and get my stuff out that way where someone's not going to take it down because I said I didn't like Mario whatever, <laughs> which, which happens, like, on Meverse, like, you're censored a little bit. And I get it, there's a lot of kids on there, and you got to try to keep it clean. Yeah, Matt, well, they should uh, probably police the drawings that pop yeah, up <laughs> on, on my like Meverse like circle thing. They try to. I mean, they hire live people to constantly scour Meverse to take stuff like that down. Oh, I'm sure, but every once in a while, like you know, Peach hanging out with a you know a toadstool that looks a little more like something else. <laughs> oh, an elongated and... toadstool. <laughs> <laughs> what? He's just tall. Yeah. <laughs> Matt is is no region locking a big deal. Not to me. Yeah. But I think I mean, it's, I would I think like to have that feature. It's better. Better than having it region locked. I mean, you know, yeah. every once in a while I do like to import a thing. You know, that's the thing. Without is like having Nintendo, to set up some goofy Yeah, other Nintendo, I mean, it would have uh, made my life a lot easier when I wanted to play Xenoblade uh, yeah. when we didn't know it was coming to the U.S. And I got the U.K. version and I had to do all this weird homebrew thing, things to, my, to my, the Wii yeah. to get it to work. And it, was, it actually wasn't that bad. It was pretty simple. The, home, the homebrew channel was a very ele- fairly elegant piece of work, frankly. Yeah. Whoever, uh, guys, people made that. That was pretty good stuff. It was not as hard as I thought it would be and it doesn't bork the system forever. Right. Um... But yeah, if I could just like if something happens and you know who knows what Nintendo's going to do or not do, and if I decide I want you know to import this thing because otherwise I'll never play it, it'd be nice to be able to just pop it in and play. I mean, so yeah, I'll always support region free over not yeah, region yeah. free. Sure. I mean, at this point though, with publishers like NIS America, Axis, and Atlas, like pretty much every game from Japan that's even kind of worth playing, and some could be or even be argued not worth playing, yeah. are coming to the West. Well, that certainly happens with the PS4, but we're gonna, the NX is going to have And the 3DS to, and the Vita. But that's going to Well, Vita, the, not so much, I not guess. So, well, Vita is still sort of a weird, like a delivery Vita is method, surviving but, on Japanese Yeah, it's surviving right on incredibly strange, slightly disturbing 
anime games. Over the line in some um, cases, yeah. Oh, God. Like uh, criminal the, girls or whatever. Oh, yeah. And Basically, like, the, like, you whip the girl to convince her to go fight right. for you. Like, and there's a lot of other, like, it's not Senran Kagura, but it's, like, the same developer has made some other thing where, like, you know, like, it, the bullet points at the back of the box are, like, sexually excite the girl until she, like, gives you what you want or something. It's like, <laughs> okay, sure. Um, thanks, Vita. You yeah. Know. That's kind of uh, what the Vita's become. That yeah. and Indies. Like, yeah, pretty, pretty much. much. And I guess, you know, now that they cracked the the firmware, like, you you know, there's, there's a big homebrew scene now. Oh, yeah, anything can, um, anything's possible now. But uh, that also, it's funny because that brought up the uh, the memory card price argument again. Yeah. Because all of a sudden everyone's like, oh, I have a reason to want a 64 gigabyte uh, and then the memory price card. went up even higher. And, oh yeah, and it's like and it's like you forget. They're like yeah, the, the proprietary memory card prices on the things. One of the things that helped sink that system. It crushed it. Yeah. Because it was like that was a huge mistake. Yeah, you, like a sixty-four gigabyte card is still a hundred dollars for that thing. And meanwhile, you can buy a, 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 the same size SD card for like thirty-five dollars. Oh, like, I, I found one for sixteen. Yeah. It's just like, and it's like really like why like what a terrible. One thing Nintendo got right with the 3DS yeah. at least. I mean, the main problem there I think was that. Yeah, you know, they said, "Oh, our mistake with the PSP was we just gave you like bad, inferior versions of games you already had on the PS3. So we're not going to do that." And then they proceeded to do that exact thing. Yeah. Except for the weird niche, you know, outside launch window, there was nothing for anyone who already had a PS4 and didn't want to play stuff on the road. I mean, I know there's people that like are just obsessed with playing, you know, remote play stuff, but I can't stand I can't the, the lag on it and like. I mean, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what they were thinking with that one. Like, that's a post-mortem I'd love to do with, uh, you know, with enough time has passed that Sony would be willing to, like, or someone who worked on that system would be willing to speak honestly about it. The one thing I hope is, if there is no region lock, is that it also unifies, like, the online store. Mm. Because one thing I hate about having, like, regions is that, like, a lot of times demos come out in Japan for right. games. And they never come out here. Or maybe they come out way later here. Like, I would love the ability to just go to the Japanese store mm -hmm. and download free demos for games that may never even come out in yeah. the United States. Or like, get the DLC for things you import. And you can do it a lot of times. Yeah, but you have to but create, have like, to, like, a separate Asian yeah, account or whatever. Yeah. Like, it's I guess, a like, janky, weird way to do it. That's the way you do uh, DOA Extreme Mutual Eyeball 3. Like, you have to, like, right. have a separate account for all that stuff. Um, I actually have that game, but I haven't opened it. <laughs> you went and you bought the game. I have it. Yeah, I bought it. Um, uh, cause my girlfriend wanted to play it too. She loves that series, but like I haven't opened it uh, mainly because uh, my favorite character in that series is Christy, and she's not in the game. Oh, well, that actually segues nicely into the next topic. It actually wasn't the next topic, but we're gonna make it we're the next do topic. That. Yeah. Right. Um, so this week we got the first glimpse of Dead or Alive Extreme 3 VR. We've known it was coming yeah. for a long time. We had at least an inkling of what it was going to be like. I think maybe we all were... I think we all knew what that was going to be. A little nervous. But I have to say that now that I've actually seen it in action, it's far worse than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> it really is yeah. far worse than yeah. I thought. Um, I think the key there is like... I mean, you knew it was going to be like a VR thing where you get to stare at the girl. You knew it was going to be pervy. And... You didn't know that they were going to be trying to stop you. Yes. Like, it gets... That was real. That's really weird. Yes. I mean, I know that's, like, part of the fetish, but, like, like that's... Like, it's a sexual assault sim, basically. It is. Um, it and is. it didn't help... Look, guys, it didn't help the guy you picked to demo it. Yeah. Like, like the, <laughs> yeah. the shots... The cutaway shots of him were really the thing that was... The, I mean, almost that's as VR, big of a though. problem. That's yeah. the thing about VR. I mean, you look like an idiot in the helmet anyway, but like he's like, yeah. you're like, bro. 
That is the thirstiest game plan I've ever seen. Oh, man. Yeah, it is bad. And uh, I'm wondering now if Koei Tecmo knew what the VR iteration of this game was oh, going to sure. be like. Yeah. And maybe that was part of what convinced them or it to not release the game the base game oh yeah in the west yeah knowing that they had this vr product coming that Absolutely. was going to cause all kinds of because they've released the other two it didn't you know it didn't set the world on fire or anything in the west but like they sold I, pretty well though for what yeah, they so, were i mean no i mean like in terms of like controversy oh, it, was, okay. it wasn't a big deal you yeah. know it was just like all right sure. there was and rumbling it, well still, even though. the yeah but even the people i know who like don't want to see women like unnecessarily sexualizing games are like well that's what that game's for so go for yeah. it you know it's like like it's 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 not an issue when it's like yeah the purpose of this game is to put girls in bikinis and stare at their boobs like yeah. that's the game like yeah. oh I mean they're playing volleyball There's volleyball but in there um, but like we put a lot more effort into the the way like the boob squishes into the into the bed cover than yeah. we did into like the volleyball physics you know yeah, there's yeah. a lot more going on there and like if that's what your aim on the game is great. Like, yeah. yeah, I mean, everybody knows what that is. Everybody knows what they're but, getting. But, I mean, everyone knows... I mean, you could argue that the aim of this VR version is to grope girls. Oh, yeah. Virtually. And it is. Um, so does that make it okay, though? No. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> That's I, what I'm saying. Like, but it's like, okay... It's not a one-size-fits-all. Okay, it's it's not a moral choice, really, because they're not real. But it's like... So it's like, yeah, I will totally say, like, does, should this game exist? Sure. Um... Am I going to judge you if you do Wait, that? Should it exist, or are you okay with it existing? Yeah. You think it should exist? Well, if someone wants to make it. I'm okay with it existing, because I feel like people should have the freedom to create what they want as long as it's not hurting anyone else, although that could be argued that this does sort of hurt women in some Yeah. Well, there is the element way. of, like, it's like, you know, and I know people try to make a parallel with, like, you know, the extreme violence in games and stuff. It's like, well, A, um... I don't really have an equivalent in normal life of a lot of the murders I commit in video yeah. games. You know, yeah, like, like right. there's not, you know, I, I don't have a chainsaw machine gun. Yeah. Uh, and if I did, I don't have really an opportunity to cut anyone in half with it. Yeah. Uh, I don't even think that would work, yeah. frankly. Yeah. <laughs> um, whereas, like, you know, with this, with the harassment idea, I think, you know, it's, you know, maybe not like zooming your face into somebody's chest, but like some equivalent of that happens to pretty much every woman in their lifetime on a semi-regular basis. So it's yeah. like you're dealing you're simulating something that is a much more present phenomenon to a normal everyday person how than you are they, with like, you know, mowing down zombies with a machine gun. How much longer do until they put out like a body pillow that like you oh, can buy the game the, with and like That ship has sailed, my friend. Is like, it really out there already or are you I'm sure. I'm oh. sure. Oh, I mean I mean DOA character body pillows have been around for they years have, and years. Yeah. I think they may have invented the body pillow. <laughs> if they didn't it was something very similar. Um and like so yeah, this, I mean what doesn't I think one of them I think the special edition of the Asian version actually comes with like an like like a miniature body pillow cover thing uh, or yeah, something yeah. like that. Or maybe that was record of Agarest war, I don't know. Um but, I think yeah. you're right, though, Matt. I think the what makes it not okay for me is the girl resisting. Mm -hmm. The girl saying no or trying yeah. to avoid you or keep you from doing it. Like, I can't understand why in a million years they would ever put that in the game. Like, I just can't. Like, I don't even remember that being a part of, like, Dead or Alive Extreme. It wasn't. I never remember the girls ever resisting you in that game. No. 
That's a big caveat, by the way. Like yeah. whether the girl is welcoming the advance or she's not. Like yeah, that's a huge deal. But that's also, I think that's the fetish there. Well, there's like rape culture in Japan. Oh yeah, it's so bizarre. Like there's games like Rape Lay and all these rape battle and all oh, these. Yeah. Or that other. What's that one that was banned from Twitch? Where like you kidnap the girl and kill her or something. You remember that? It was there was a bunch of stories curated on it. Where like some. Like you oh, could... you mean Yon Dairy Simulator? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's like a high school simulation game where mm-hmm. you can kill. You're basically just trying to find a boyfriend. But the whole object of the game isn't just to kill. There's other things mm-hmm. to do in the game. Negligible. But <laughs> there are some other things to do in the game. I mean, this really just looks like a, like you said, a sexual assault virtual reality simulator. Yeah. Like, it's more like, you know, should it be pulled from the market? No, but like, am I going to judge people who like it? Yeah, Yeah, for sure. (laughs) (laughs) I'm wondering if the whole object of the game is to get the girls to break down their walls and finally accept you. I mean, that's the trope in like, I mean, that's also a trope in like, uh, you know, anime, like boys love gay, you know, yaoi, gay porn is like, you know, one is like the, the more mature, older guy, and the one is the younger, inexperienced boy. And like, you know, he they don't they don't want this, but then they they do want it, and then like they actually enjoy it when they stop resist. Like that's like the trope, basically. Um, so it, it, which, so it is a pretty equal and he gets opportunity. Sarkeesian is going to have a field oh, day with this game. I'm sure you she, know she's uh, already working on that. Oh, episode. she's like she's like play Asia. I need a copy right now. You know, I mean, it, I mean, it's that's the other thing is like you don't get to. Like really delve into this this like subject with Western games ever? No, like, you know, uh, like no Western. I mean, there no probably are like weirdo one off. Like I'm mean, sure if you know, just one dude dig into the dark net. There's there's a whole fleet of these or whatever. Right. But it's like you don't see this, especially with this level of production value and from a major company. Yeah. And I know it didn't come here, but it's like I mean that had to be why it didn't come here is because oh, they yeah. knew this was going to be part of it. And it's like there's no way to win there where like if you bring that VR version over where the girls are trying to tell you to get away from them, you've got controversy. And yeah. if you just don't bring the VR portion to the West, everybody's going to freak out about censorship or whatever. I wonder so, if like, the tech just, guy... Just don't do it. Just stay <laughs> I away. I wonder if the tech guy will defend this game as like cultural differences and you just don't get it and probably screw, screw off maybe i don't know i mean I, it i mean that's right i'm it's, sure there's tons and tons but... way more people than we would think that will look at this and not understand what we're even talking about i'm sure yeah all right let's move on final fantasy 15 as we all know has been delayed yep. uh, again to november 29th uh from for what i heard uh, a large re- part of the reason i heard was to basically not have a day one patch, to have what would, they would have been the day one patch put on the disc. That makes so no for, sense. Because like 20% of console owners in Japan do not have their consoles on the internet. Oh, I can see that for Japan, so delay it in Japan, yeah. put it out in the US, but I, I don't believe that. Also on top of that, I'm just like, get into the 21st century, people. It's like, and I, I know we had like a pretty, it was like 30% not connected to the internet in the last generation, but I think well, the, the last... Number I heard was like ten percent or less. I haven't now. even heard those stats anymore. It's like, well, it's it's basically time. like the number is low enough that Sony and Microsoft don't feel the need to cater to them anymore. Right, right. Um, and like uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm not in a burning hurry to play this game or anything um, because I don't think it's going to be that great. But like putting it after Black Friday is Big bad. So because of this delay, 
So Nava's been doing a ton of interviews, explaining why mm. and talking more in depth about the game because it is really coming down the home stretch, even though it was delayed. Eleven still, years just wasn't enough. Yeah, we're we're just a couple months away from playing it. And uh, in one of the interviews this week, he told the uh, journalist that Final Fantasy XV is only open world for the first half of the game. Mm -hmm. And then, at a certain point, it becomes linear. Have you ever heard of a game that did this? Well, uh, Final Fantasy XIII did the opposite. Yeah. It was linear for the first... Yeah, I guess you're 40 right. 40 hours, and then it that's opened up in the Grand Pulse. That's kind of common, though, because a lot of times games will use, like, the early going as, like, a tutorial. To yeah, but you're when your tutorial's 40 hours long, yeah, I mean, yeah. Final Fantasy <laughs> 13 was like, oh, it gets really good when you get to Grand Pulse. When you get to Grand Pulse, after about 40 hours, I'm like, go fuck yourself. <laughs> yeah, later. <laughs> like, you don't dare give me the, oh, it gets really good after 40 hours. No, I'm not going through a full work week to, to get to the good part. Well, it's like, I've reviewed games about? in the past where I would say, you know, it gets better towards the end, but right. it still sucks. And people are like, but it gets good at the end. It's like, no, you're asking someone to torture themselves. I only did this because I get paid for it because it's my job. I'm not going to tell somebody to go spend their money to torture themselves for 12 hours to get mm -hmm. to the good part of a video game. Like, it's just, it's insane. But you're right. Here it's flip-flopped. Like, what most people would say is the more modern iteration of the video game is what you get at the beginning, and then it narrows it down and forces you down this path at the end. I don't think I've ever seen it before. I mean, I've seen it. It happens in most open-world games, but not to the point that you'd say the second half of the game. I mean, there's what always... open-world games have done that? All of them. There's always a point of no return for, like, the final batch of missions where, like, you yeah, sort of a railroad Yeah, usually, like, a one-hour section Right, of well, the that's game. what I'm saying. It's like, that's not, like a, that's not a half the game. Hours. But, yeah. like, I mean, yes, for the... I mean, that's the thing is, like, I'd rather have it like this in Final Fantasy XIII in the sense that, you know, if you're going to, like, you know, wrap the story up, you got to have some structure. you got to, like, you know, you know, get some focus going. I mean... I mean, half the game seems excessive. Like I mean, there's tons of games that wrap up their story just fine without having to go to this singular... Yeah, but this path. is square, so let's start slow. <laughs> you know, like, really, like, I mean... I have a lot more faith in a lot of those other open-world developers to finish their story properly than I do with this game. I, I mean, just wonder, how do you manage the open-world payoff? Because there are conversation trees in this game, mm -hmm. right? They're simple. They're not... I think, yeah. I mean, how do you get all that to pay off? I, I just... I've, it just because completely I mean, taking me back. Well, I mean, if it's like Final Fantasies have always been, it's going to be you know you have the open world, you do whatever you want, you get do what you want or do whatever you want, you get through all the various areas, and then you hit that point of no return, and then you dig through the rest of the story, and then you get kicked back out into the world, and now you can do all the post game you know hundred percent stuff, get the rest of the trophies, fight Emerald Weapon, whatever the hell you want to do. Yeah. I mean, I figure it's going to be like that. It's just like. You know, every Final Fantasy has some kind of you know point of no return. Where like, okay, you're locked into the final act now. Uh, it's just that in this game, it's that's going to be like happen. 20 hours or something. <laughs> I guess I don't. I mean, I don't know yeah. how long they, this thing's going to be, but like, or maybe he's you know not really estimating. I think it's pretty long. It sounds it, pretty it, long. Yeah. I mean, that's the other. It thing sounds too. like it might be as long as Final Fantasy 13's yeah. equivalent was. I mean, you look at the opening gameplay they've shown off the first couple hours or whatever. There's all these systems in the game, and it's like you have all these systems built around an open world, and then at the end you just shut them all down, mm -hmm. and you're like, I don't know. To and me, that's it seems a big weird. map too. It's like, huge. So like, and part of me is like. 
Does that map open up much faster than we thought it did? Like, because it yeah. looks huge, and there's all you know. You've seen like, oh, we've shown you this much. It's like that upper right corner. They're like, this is what you've seen in all the demos and all the trailers, and there's all this rest of the map. And you're like, what if like almost none of that is anything? Why not? Like, what if it's what if this whole section down here is like, oh, it's like one area and like mountains. You can't go past that. Right, know? right. Could and be. this is like one city, and you don't really you just go through, take a train through the tunnel, and now you're in the other. You know, it's like. I wonder how it's much possible. of that is dece- deceiving in terms of, you know, not that they're actually trying to deceive us, but it's just like, I don't think you anyone... look at those maps and sometimes you're, you're like, oh my God, there's so much stuff. It's like, mm, that's a mountain range and that's a lake and that's, a, you know, like it's not really as big as you think it is. I don't think anyone is going to ultimately complain about the length of this game. I think if anything, people mm. are going to be like, this game's too damn long. <laughs> like, wrap no, it up. <laughs> All right, let's move on. So this week... Talked about Madden last week. We're going to talk about it again, but only Uh-oh. tangentially. So this week, EA came out and announced that, and if you guys don't know, uh, the backup quarterback of the San Francisco 49ers in a preseason game last and week. backup is a kind word. Yeah, he's <laughs> on the borderline of being cut and not even making the team. But before one of their games last week, he refused to stand for the national anthem. And I know we have a lot of viewers in Europe, and you guys may not realize, it has turned into a huge crap storm in America. Like, not just... Sports networks are talking about it. The major news networks are talking mm-hmm. about it. Because it's brought up all these other questions. Standing up for a song is apparently really important here. Yeah. And uh, so EA came out this week. And I remember I talked last week about the commentary in the game and how good it was. Oh, yeah. And how you know they, the commentators in the game were talking about things that had just happened like a couple days before. Well, as part of that program, EA is going to let the announcers talk about the Colin Kaepernick controversy. And I don't really want to talk about the, co- the controversy itself and get into the, all the politics of that. Or I just want to talk about it, how it relates to games. Matt, do you feel like political commentary is something that should be included? Real-world political commentary mm-hmm. is something that should be included in video games. Uh, yes, if it's what your game is about. If it's about political um, commentary. Madden, like I mean, if it's a sieve or something like that. Here's the thing. Like, Madden, like on, I see kind of both ends of this argument for Madden where it's like on one hand it's like you know keep the uncomfortable real world crap out of my video game where I just want to play football in my video game on the other hand if you're really going for that verisimilitude of reality like that is what they're going to be talking about this week and you know I doubt the commentators in Madden are going to be giving their opinions on his uh, his actions. I think it would be more of like, Kaepernick, as you know, caused a little bit of controversy last week when he did not stand for the national anthem uh, but here he is today doing it. I'm sure that's all it'll be. It'll be like a passing mention. I, I, it'll be interesting to see because the other thing about the announcers in this game is that they're very happy-go-lucky and upbeat. Mm. Like, they never really talk about negative things like the guy blew out his ACL and, like, they don't talk about stuff like that. Like, it's all like... Maybe it'll be as simple as, like, if you bring Kaepernick in from the bench, they'll be like, oh, Kaepernick standing up for a change. <laughs> <laughs> That would be the uh, best way to handle it. I mean, to be clear, I do support his his freedom to do whatever the hell he wants in terms of that. But like, I think that would be funny, Uh, and it would it would kind of end run around it being the tone of of the announcement. Sometimes you need stuff like that to diffuse the situation as well. And on top of that, like even beyond the actual you know issue of of what is happening here, like 
I think that's really impressive that they can get the commentary that current yeah. and that on that's why target. Was, that's why I was talking it up last week. It is the best commentary I've ever heard in a sports I, video. I mentioned because someone was because someone I, I people I knew online like they they saw the story about this and they're like like wow why would why would you update commentary for that? And I told them what you said about how they're like they, you know you had commentary talking about like preseason games from like three days before you you were playing your game. Yeah, and everyone was like. Oh, I might, I might need to get this. Like, like it was like, like suddenly, like everyone was interested in Madden because they're like, yeah. oh my god, that's amazing! Like, it's, it's amazing. Like, yeah. like, I don't know how long they'll keep it up. Like, I wonder if like so who in are these ten of the season? I'm also curious. Like, who are these two guys? They're just like two nobodies. They're really. nobody. So, so they're some, not huge announcers. So they can afford to pay them to weekly keep to keep coming in. in and they probably have that. a little studio at their house or whatever. Yeah. I mean, most people who do voiceover yeah. have a closet that they've soundproofed with a good mic in there and. I mean, voiceover. that's it's really that's really cool. I think it's it, really cool. Um, getting back to political commentary in video games, I mean, personally, like I play games to kind of escape all this crap. Like, obviously, a, a sports game is semi based in reality or sports reality. Mm -hmm. I don't even know, but you know, typically I play games to kind of check out from that stuff. Like, I don't want that kind of dragging into my hobby that I use. I mean, I'll fully admit I use it to escape a little bit. Long, long day at work, tire, you know, burnout or whatever. I play games. Like, it, it's just like Calgon. It takes me away. Like, I like that part of games. And, like, like I understand why you play Madden. Like, there's this real score ticker that goes along the bottom that kind of mm -hmm. takes you back to the real world so you know what the real NFL teams are doing. I get all that. And so maybe Madden's a bit of an anomaly in, the, in this instance. But in general, like, I like to keep the real world and my video games separate. And so... Beyond just, I don't want someone's political agenda preaching to me during a game. I just don't even like that content in my games at all. Yeah, I don't mind it. You know, it's, it, although mainly it's like if you have something to say and you want to use the game to say it, like I'm cool with that. But like I would prefer to have a little artfulness to it. But yeah. It's like, like I don't think there's a lot of artfulness to how Deus Ex Mankind delivers the Augs Lives Matter thing. Right, yeah. Um, in the sense that I'm like, well, you didn't really take this idea or this event and have anything to say about it, you sort of co-opted the imagery. Right. Um, so, like, if you have, like, something to say about, you know, you know, that's kind of art. Art commentates on things like that. And if you want to use your game to do that, I will judge it on whether or not I think it makes its statement well or, you know, more than whether I agree with it or not. It's, yeah. it's, like, it's like, oh, if you can do it in an artful manner, that's cool. Um, but, like, do I need, like, you know... Do I need a Trump joke in the next Mario game? No, I don't think we That's need that. That's what I'm that. talking about. Like, like, I just don't feel the need for people to pull that stuff into It also games. dates things. It does, yeah. So, I mean, I know, like, dating something isn't really something you're worried about in a Madden game. Yeah, it's yeah. like it has the date on it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, but yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, to have something to say about, you know, a political issue as a whole that is a, is a societal question can make for a very interesting game if you're just like well it's like this war of mine is a game that i thought right. handled it pretty well right. exactly but like, like no also no one's really playing this war of mine to escape right yeah <laughs> like, <laughs> you gotta have you gotta be in a particular frame frame of mind to sit down for that you're one you're right for sure oh yeah. it's been a long day at work i need to blow off some steam with this war of mine that, yeah. is, that said no one <laughs> said ever no one ever yeah, yeah. um but like, uh, it, like when it comes to just sort of like throwing in some weird like reference to like modern, you know, modern political events or current stuff, like I think I think it's it's rarely worth it to sort of like 
police, you know, unless the game is set in that kind of world. Like, you know, I like, also find it boring though because Call of Duty. Like, it, I wouldn't want Deus Ex to have referenced President Trump, right? Basically, you know, like yeah. as some kind of thing like that. Like, I don't think, uh, I don't think that helps it. I don't think it's interesting, and it mostly just makes me think of other things that are not related to your game. Um, I mean, go ahead and do it if you want. I mean, Working Designs made a good living out of it for a while back in the Sega CD game, CD8 days and the PlayStation 1 game days, but now you play like that Lunar translation, and you're like, really? You put a joke in about South Central Los Angeles yeah. in, my, in the fantasy RPG? Like, that's, that's a thing I'm like, what is that? How in the world am I supposed to reconcile that with the rest of this game where all of a sudden the little flying cat thing is just like, yeah. nope, this door is locked down tighter than a door in South Central. And yeah. I'm just like... What? <laughs> and did they lock down doors tight in South Central? I don't know. Like I, I, I feel like whoever wrote that had never been to South Central. I, I'm, that's a pretty good guess. I live in LA, <laughs> and I've never been to South Central. I ever. have. Have you? Yeah. You so, been, have you driven through Compton before? Yeah. I never have. It's. I, mean, I want to. I've seen like the you know. The, uh, or do I? I drove down there a couple times because there were some stores down there that had some Transformers I needed. Oh, really? And, uh... I figured one You gotta do what you gotta do. But, no, no, it's fine. During the day, it's fine. I, really? I mean, sure, probably at night, it's fine. I, I, nobody looked at me twice. It was yeah. fine. Just lots of stray bullets flying around there. I just prefer to stay away from them. I grew up next to Oakland. I'm, yeah. uh, I'm hey, not worried. I, I'm no stranger to violence, but uh, I think you're, you're pushing your luck a little bit if you go to Compton sometimes. Uh, let's move on. Matt, the next topic is something that may or may not rile you up a little bit. So mm -hmm. HTC announced mm. this week that it is working on a wireless version of the Vive head-mounted display. As someone who just recently purchased the wired version of Vive, how do you feel about that? The wires don't really bother me that much. Really? Um, well, I haven't felt the need to pirouette much so yeah. far. Um, you can always feel them enough that like, you know when not to keep turning. Um, you can feel them getting tight if you're too far away. Sort of. Or like you can feel them against your calf, basically. Okay. Um, and I haven't run into like a distance issue with them. I mean, I figure the wireless How one How long is the cable on the wired version? I'd say it's about 10 feet. Maybe. That seems a little short. I haven't run into a problem with really? it. Really? I mean, it depends on what your setup is. Like, yeah. but like mine's like on, a, on the desk right there. And then like, I, can't, I mean, if I walk to the very edge of my play space, you know, I've still probably got two feet of oh, really? slack. Okay. I mean, the, the, the the amount of space you use is not huge, at least not. I mean, I I could probably go. Well, it's like a hundred square feet, right? Ten by ten. Is no. that what they recommend? No? It's, it, well, I don't know feet. Or sixty it's, square feet, I think is what it was. No, I don't think so. It's it, like my play space is two point two meters by two meters, um, and then I think the You're mac, going on metric on me. And then the, well, that's what it says. I don't I don't know. I don't convert that shit. It's just like it's just me. It's meters. I know how big it is. Yeah. Um, but uh, and then I think the maximum that's ten is, by six. That's like sixty square. feet. Maximum is like. Uh, I think it's three by five by three by five. So basically, it's like the size of a parking space. Yeah. Um, that's not too far. Yeah. That's uh, I, and I understand why they have so much cableage because, like, that's a lot of data going back it and is, forth. It is. Yeah. Um, I mean, a wireless version would be cool, but like, I don't feel like I'm gonna buy a new one just to have it wireless. I'll buy like whatever their next power. But are you jump pissed is. off that you spent so much, and you mm. could have waited? I mean, chances are it's probably not coming out till Q4 next year. I'm no, I'd rather be playing it now. Yeah. So like, you're you're okay with it? Yeah, I mean it's typical iterations on hardware. I mean when you, you buy you something like you this, you know it when you buy yeah. it. You buy something like this, you know you're going to get left in the dust relatively quickly. I also wonder if the fidelity of the wireless version will ever match the wired. That's version. That's a good question. I mean, I mean how do I you feel... send that much data wirelessly without there being some kind of lag or 
a depreciation. Yeah, I think, I think of you could fidelity. with like a five gig. I mean, the, the question becomes like interference with other devices right. in the Wi-Fi. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you if you if they if it hooks into the Wi-Fi network I have, it probably would have the bandwidth to do that. Um, but I don't know. I don't, I'm not a tech guy, so I don't know how that's working. I I mean, it's cool that they're going to do that, I and mean, so like maybe like you know version generation three, I'll get one, and it'll be wireless, and it'll be great. Um, right now, it's not quite. In fact, the only time I think the the cords have been a problem was playing a game called Raw Data, which um, uh, has a th- you're fighting. It's one of those things where you stand in the center and like cyborgs come at you, but like any game where you're going to spin around. Yeah, but like basically like cover pops up and like you kind of have to hide behind cover and pop up and shoot and you know so. And there have been a couple times when like I just instinctively looked over my shoulder at the thing that was coming in the wrong direction and the wire was in my way and I was able to get around it, but like. It would have been nice there. And also, uh, in games like that, uh, you are going to try to lean on the cover. There's nothing there. Don't do that. Did you fall? No, I didn't fall. But like, it was a couple times when I'm just like, like you're, you know, you're coming up over the desk thing, yeah, yeah. and you want to like lean your hands on the desk to steady them while you're shooting the guy. And like, there's, what? okay, <laughs> that, that's that not is a... great. The power of VR right there. No Even one was... you know it, like yeah. you just can't help yourself. Oh, so the, the pool table one is this. You will try to lean on the pool table, <laughs> and there is no pool table. It, it, every I guess once conceivably, in a while. you could just set up like props. Yeah, yeah well, that's, how, like, that's what places like, you know, like the, the Void and those like VR experience like centers are doing, where like when you run through the mazes and stuff in those, ga- those there games... There actually are walls there. Yeah, the, 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 the area you're in is an exact mirror of what you're seeing. Uh, in, so it's like... It's, what's the point? Well, because it's not... Um, you're <laughs> just running, take it off. And just, well, no, because you're running through like a dungeon or whatever, and the walls in the area are just white. Right. You know, so it's not decorated or anything. Yeah, just, yeah. But, but if there's like a table there in the VR thing, there will be a table there in reality. So you, if you go to touch it, it's, it's there. It's, there. Gotcha. it's a pretty cool experience. But like that doesn't work with the Vive unless you <laughs> do a lot more furniture moving than I'm willing to do. I'm surprised that you're okay with this. I thought you might be uh, pissed off about I guess it. I might be if like the wires had been a problem for me, but they haven't been. Maybe they so. offer some kind of a trade-in thing where you can send in your wired one if you want, and they get knock off 400 bucks off of the wireless or something. Maybe, I mean, I would like them to do that for like the first upgrade, where, yeah. where, you know, the first significant power jump. Right. Uh, I would like some kind of trade-in program. Um, because, you know, it looks like, I mean, it's like, because you have to get rid of everything when you do, I mean, it's not like you can just sell the headset to somebody, you got to give them the box and the, and right. the, and the cords and the control, I mean, everything has to go together. Yeah. So, like, when I upgrade the Vive, I'm going to need to get rid of everything I have now for the, because all that stuff will be useless. Right. At that point. It'll be obsolete. Um, unless I'm just going to hand it all off to somebody else and I'd rather kind of have some kind of sort of trade-in thing. I mean, you know... Take the cell phone model a little bit, and or the used car model at yeah, this yeah. at this price range. <laughs> Why not? You know, um, so that'd be nice. But like, no, it, it doesn't like freak me. You know, it's the same thing where like there were you know rumors about the the streamlined version or whatever. It's like I don't find it bulky or uncomfortable. I don't except for it's hot because. But I don't think that this new model is going to solve that problem. So, uh, ask me again when they come out. I was like this one has um, you know this one has an internal cooling fan for your face. And it doesn't have uh, the focus problems on the edges, which it will, because I think there's no way to yeah, avoid that right avoid now. Yeah. Um, and the screen door effect. The screen door effect is a problem. I like, think that's probably going to be a problem for a while, too. Probably. Though. Yeah, the things that I really pull out is, like, these are the things that sort of mar the experience for me. 
I don't see them being fixed in within, within less than year. five years. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. This, that's a next next gen thing, I think. Okay, let's talk about a kind of small game you've been playing, a Japanese game called Attack on Titan, mm. based on another Koei game, another Tecmo Koei game, based on a popular Japanese manga. They've also made feature length films in Japan based on the property and anime that looked awesome, but were ended up being terrible. No, terrible. That, the movie trailers for that movie looked awesome. I was uh, like, oh, I the, the, although the people that did those effects are doing the effects in the new Godzilla movie. Oh, that really? It's being directed by. Uh, uh, the guy who directed Evangelion. Oh. Um, Shin Godzilla. Uh, which is like... The, I've and, seen the trailer. Yeah, the new trailer it. just came out. I hate the Godzilla design with yeah. like the weird toothy mouth and the tiny little arms and stuff. It's but, kind of the Japanese Godzilla though, isn't it? No. Really? It's, uh, I, I am a Godzilla nut. And uh, it's a very different design in the sense that he's got this weird sort of... Glasgow smile thing going on, yeah, and he's yeah. sort of like falling apart, and like has like muscle. Exp- like he's basically like a m- more of a direct. Like he's he's been irradiated. He sort of has like he looks a lot more like something that came out of the Hiroshima explosion. Right, basically right. Yeah. is what they're going for. And his arms are like shriveled and sort of useless. And um, so he does look more like the traditional design in terms of kind of his shape, but the details are super weird. Um, and it's part of what they're going for, but just as a Godzilla fan, I'm like, oh, God, he looks weird and sick. And uh. But judging by that trailer, this might be the best cinematography in any Godzilla movie ever. Like yeah, Some of the really shots good. in that trailer yeah. are amazing. Like well, the last Godzilla in the West was pretty good. I enjoyed yeah, it. Yeah, I liked it. Okay, but it was also like... You know, I remember everyone on the the last the American Godzilla movie from 2014 were like, "Oh my, I, like Godzilla was barely in the movie." I'm like, "Yeah, welcome to Godzilla movies." You That's sit, the way it you is. You sit through an hour of crappy story and acting. You don't care about to see Godzilla for 20 Fight. minutes. That's yeah. a Godzilla movie. Like That's how it that works. shit costs money. And and the Godzilla scenes in that Godzilla movie delivered. Yeah, they sure I like, did. I yeah. like that a lot. They were um, amazing. And they'll probably be pretty much the, apparently early reviews on this are pretty much the same. It's like 90% of this movie takes place in boardrooms. Right. Like it's just people arguing over what to do. How they're going to stop Godzilla. Yeah, and then, like, and then you get a little bit of Godzilla. Do it, yeah. And then they fail and Godzilla but the beats God- up a bunch of monsters. But and- the Godzilla scenes are apparently really, really cool. Awesome. Um, so let's talk about Attack so on Attack Titan. So Attack on Titan is more based on the anime series yeah. than the first season of the anime series because the season two has not come out yet years and years later. Uh, people, I think early so wait, 20... Wait, is it anime or manga or both? Both. That's what I thought. Okay. It was, as, as with most of these things, it was a manga and then they an turned it into an anime and then the manga was really far behind and they didn't want to like just make up stuff for, this, for the anime so they're sort of waiting for that to catch up. And so there's been delays and delays and delays. I think the, the the original season one came out like three years ago or something. And they just earlier this year announced like season two will be delayed to next year. And um, it's it's just sort of like one of those things like, oh, is Attack on Titan out yet? Nope. Yeah. Okay. I knew. I knew that. Yeah. So, uh, and in the meantime, they've made two live action movies out of it. Yeah. Um, so Where does the video game fall? Video into game that is season timeline? one, basically. Okay. It, it just covers season one of the anime, very much of the anime. And what is a quick synopsis of season one? Um, well, spoilers. Uh, you know, if you haven't seen season one, but basically, um, uh, it's either the far future or the far past or another world, whatever. <laughs> uh, and at some point, a hundred years ago, giant um, humanoid monsters called titans who look like um, they're tall, they're giant naked. Like vacant, staring-looking creatures with big, weird grins, and they they eat people. Yeah. Just, all they do is walk around <laughs> and they grab people and eat them. And uh, so, to defend themselves, humans built um, three giant walls, fifty-meter-tall walls. Sound familiar? Um, 
with, uh, yeah, none of them are called the Trump Wall, oddly <laughs> enough. Um, and there's like one in the middle, and like one, one, yeah, one, like one right in the middle, and then another one, and then a third one on the outside. And for a hundred years, uh, this worked just fine. And then after a hundred years, uh, one day, a thing called the Colossal Titan appears out of nowhere, which is the famous, like the the the, the one, the one with no skin, yeah. you know. And it's taller than the wall, and it just walks up to the wall and kicks the door in, and all the titans just start flooding in, and it just just in humanity loses like a third of its um, third of its territory, has to fall back to the second wall. And this kid, Aaron, that was the second wall taller than the first. No, wall? they're they're all the same size, I think, but they just further in. Okay. So the center is like where the king and all the like the elites live. Right. And the second is like sort of like the, the markets and stuff. And then the outside was like farms and, and the peasant yeah, yeah, class yeah, yeah. more. And it's all sort of like a like a medieval Europe sort of um, like visual aesthetic. Well, you said peasants, so. Right. <laughs> so, 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 you know, there, there's not really, um, it's, it's not futurist, it's anything. It's just like everybody, everything, and like the look, every, it's like everything looks very European and very uh, fairy tale-ish in terms of like the house design and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then like the, the main character is this kid named Aaron, who, um, Aaron Yeager, who, um, uh, his mom is killed in the, uh, the initial the invasion. Uh, and he actually sees her get bitten in half. As the, I mean, the first episode of this thing is brutal. brutal. Like, you're like, like you're like, oh my god! I mean, you just see these like, and the Titans have these big grins on there. Yeah, it's they're like, really there's creepy. Like, and it's very gory and very. It's just, it's really offsetting. And like, I I thought it was great. Like, I I yeah. love the first like few episodes of the season, and then it becomes a standard anime, and I didn't care anymore. Right. But um, uh, so he basically vows to um, avenge her uh, death. To kill all titans to okay. avenge his, her death, so he joins along with his friend Mikasa, who's sort of like a surrogate family member. Who is there's a weird thing in this where um, I don't know if the manga ever went anywhere further with it, but she's like one of the last Asian people left in the wow. world. Okay, where like she's like like either Asian or half Asian, and she's one of the last Japanese people or something ever. And everyone else is supposed to be like Western, gotcha. um, because the titans wiped out the world so horribly. Um, and a couple times that comes up. I don't know if there's anything made of that later. But uh, so she is her. She since she's like the super power, like the, the biggest badass of the whole group. And so she joins the military with him to protect him. And their loser, like smart, brainy, nerdy, weak friend joins the blonde kid. Uh, joins them too, Armin. And so the first part is kind of like about them going through training. It's kind of like a Full Metal Jacket thing. Uh-huh. And um, so the game starts there with training. It shows you him, his mother getting eaten, and then he swears to uh, destroy the Titans. And then you do start doing training. And is it you... really gory whenever she gets eaten in the game? No, they cut away from do it. Do they? <laughs> I mean, they don't cut away from all of it. Is, there is some gore in this game. Yeah. And is also, it rated M or T? It is M. It's M, okay. And I think that's mainly because you are cutting limbs off the Titans. That makes sense. <laughs> um, the, the limb, the, and, of course, the limbs grow back. But like, So you're being trained. So, so while it is medieval, one of the, the, the big hook of this is that they have this thing called, um, I think it's called omnidirectional motion gear or something like that you can tell how much i care about the specifics on well, they can game. fly right That's... uh no they um they ha- so they've got these giant like sword scabbards but they ha- they have gas powered grappling hooks in them so that so it's like spider-man they shoot yeah. out grappling hooks and pull themselves gotcha. along um it's like spider-man or like um 
just cause, I guess, wouldn't be a bad, but it moves much faster than that. Yeah. So basically, you can like traverse around with these things like Spider-Man through the city, and then the trick with the Titans is anything, any damage you do to them grows back, including cutting limbs off. The only way to kill them is to slice them on the back of their neck. And so the way they do it is you use these things to fly around with the with the grappling hooks, and then you grapple onto the Titan, the Titan, and you swing around and you zoom in on them, and you use these two swords to just cut the back of their neck as you pass them, right. and that's how you kill them. So this is like um, super fast paced, and like you're flying around in midair all the time, and like and the way they do it on this is you can lock like on an to aerial dynasty yeah, warriors, sorta, or, or um, uh, what's that one they they did. Uh, uh, Tukiden or Taukiden? Taukiden. Like like there's a lot. I think they built this on top of kind of what they established because there's a lot more flying in that game, and I can definitely see the kind of the the evolution there. And um, so you can lock on uh, to each like limb or whatever and zoom in on that and like cut them off to weaken them, and then you go for the neck and you like. And here's the thing, like they kind of nailed it. Like, really? in terms of control. I really didn't expect them to do it. I, I got the game because I'm a fan, and my girlfriend likes it, too. So we were like, oh, yeah, we'll play Attack on Titan. And, and like, like it really feels good. Wow. It's fun to play. Like, That's great. Because, like, they throw you into the whole city, you know, kind of Dynasty Warrior style. And, like, you know, guys will throw up, like, people will shoot up, like, flares to, like, say that they need help. And you jump over there and kill the Titans that are trying to, trying to attack them. And like um, you know, in the game, in the in the in the show, it's like killing a killing a titan is like a big deal. And early on, it is like this. But after a while, it's like you if, you, if you're off. not if you're not killing like 50 titans in a level, you're not even getting like an A ranking. Oh you know? wow! And it's like Holy cow. and so and you can take so these things down so from fast. The show a little bit. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you 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 murder hundreds of these things. Yeah. But like, do they all look different? Or do they yeah, all, there's all they tons. Do? I mean, there's at least like 50 different ones wow, in the game, bad. and they they all put, go in like a. Uh, a gallery, so you can go look at them. And I think they all have develop- the developers' faces. I think that's where they go. <laughs> There's a tradition that's with them where, idea. like, like the production animation team puts uh, their faces on the Titans in the show, and um, the 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 guy who does the manga, the guy who created it, the guy who does the manga. Like, I think he puts like his friends in as, and and coworkers and stuff in there as, as them, which is not very flattering because yeah. they're horrifying. Yeah, but yeah. like. Um, it really and there's a lot of good shots of them. Like they, they, they. If you like Attack on Titan, you will like this game. Like, so the game sounds awesome, but it's not getting amazing reviews. So there's got to be some caveats here. What are they? Um, well, it is the same thing over and over. Like you ah. never fight anything other than Titans. That's at least, it. At least not so far. Oh wow. Um, and uh, so like yeah. So it's like a boss rush game basically. Kinda like so. I mean, there's different. There's little Titans that take one. You know, you can only hit them in the neck, and that's it. Um, there's bigger ones and, and bosses and special ones called abnormals that you have to like take on in a certain way. But like you are doing the same thing over and over in this in the sense of like you know you know scoot up, lock on, find find what you want to hit, zoom in on the thing, hit them. But like there's a lot of like there's like like the the the, the variations are like all very rooted in the in the the world. So it's like. You know, you can do like a, a, a boost with your gas uh, canister thing to like give yourself give you some more punch to when you hit something. So there is like some skill and like I'm you know it's kind of going to be like one of those. Uh, it's like a character action game in the sense that like there are going to be people that are really frighteningly good at this game. Yeah. You know, with some practice, people are going to be like, oh here here I beat this level in like 15 seconds and killed 40 titans and didn't even pause to look at anything. You know, it's, it's it, I think you're going to see some amazing. You know, playthroughs on this eventually, but 
in the same way that Dynasty Warriors and all these other you know Musou games are, uh, it's the same thing over and over again with the pieces rearranged. So yeah. if you love the property, it's going to be you know just like with any superhero kind of thing, like it captures that element really well. Like, if you already are invested in this property, you're going to be like, wow, Which, they nailed this. arguably, most people Yeah, I, would, I, I feel like most people uh, don't know what this is uh, outside of a certain, you know, niche circle. Yeah. Um, I certainly don't expect any random person on the street to know what Attack on Titan is. Yeah. I didn't, you know, I, before I saw it, I thought it was like a space opera about attacking Titan, the moon of Saturn, because <laughs> it's such a weird title. But right, it turns like, right. oh, it's a medieval giant monster wall break. <laughs> Spider-Man <laughs> sword thing. Like it's yeah. it's just like it's super weird, but it like something about it just works because yeah. it's like it's so some of the stuff is so out there that it combines all these weird things. Like so, it feels like familiar, but also like nothing you've ever seen before. And um, I think they really, you know, I was very skeptical because the 3D they had a 3DS game that didn't come to the West and it was right. awful. Yeah. Um, but this one like. Cohen nailed this. I think it is the same, Omega Force. I think it is the same guys that do the dinosaur. They nailed this. Which that's this. really them breaking out of their mold to yeah. create combat that's in the sky. Like, yeah. Like I, I was like, oh, I don't know if they're going to be able to do that. But no, they they found a way to make it work. And it's not. I mean, it's not Spider-Man Two level traversal. It's pretty. Yeah. You know, it's pretty janky in places, especially when like sometimes you'll hit like the corner of a building and you'll have right. to like kind of continually pop. Because that's the thing is like. One of the things that saves like the Spider-Man or like prototype thing, where like when you're when your sort of swingy traversal fails, you can run up walls right. or something to kind of get back you on track or jump really game. high. That's not in this. Like gotcha. so, you have to sort of rely on the the grapple hook thing, and it does play pretty honest with the grapple hooks. Like if there's no buildings around or trees You'll or whatever, fall. you can't. So it's not like continue. Spider-Man where no, you can't you're, see you're it, not hooking onto the, onto the to, sky. Like, the cloud. No. Yeah. <laughs> there, there, and a little thing will pop up with like the the hook with the X through it. That's just like oh, no, wow. you can't grapple right now. You're you're in, in in a plane area. Full price game? Yes. Would you, would you recommend it at full price? Um, if you're a big fan. Only. Only. What um, if you just love Dynasty Warriors games? Wait. Wait. Yeah. Because I mean, I'm I, guessing it'll be down to thirty nine ninety nine within two months. Probably. probably. Yeah. I mean, it's not going to set the sales charts ablaze. It's yeah. I, I wouldn't happen. set aside anything else you're playing right now to play this unless you are a diehard attack. If, and if you are a diehard Attack on Titan fan, you're already playing it. Yeah, you're I'm, already I'm, you know, nodding your head watching. I don't need this, to so. tell you. You know. <laughs> um, but it is much better than I expected it to be. I wouldn't. You know. I, I in fact, I would probably give it a B. Yeah. Um, it's it's pretty solid for a license that doesn't have a lot to it in terms of what you can make a game out of. It does recreate pretty much every major scene, um, you know. And I mean, there there is a variation in the fa- you know. Again, sorry, spoilers. Uh, one of the things early on that gets revealed is that um, Aaron can turn into a Titan, uh. and he just runs around beating the living shit out of these things. <laughs> and so periodically, you can turn into the Aaron Titan. And run around and just punch the hell out of it and just destroy buildings. How does that, does that work? Okay, it works okay. I mean, it's very auto-targety. So, yeah. like, if you are near a Titan and you press the punch button, you will hit them. Right. Like, and you'll probably also destroy a house in the process. <laughs> but like, but it's kind of got a nice sort of uh, you know Ultraman sort of feel to it. Like, it sort of made me think like, hey, you know, if that Godzilla game that came out last year was more like this, it would have been reviewed much better. Yeah, uh, it's, it's more dynamic and more uh, fast-paced. Um, but again, it's just it's just building on what the anime shows you and taking it and running with it and 
I'm surprised. Again, sounds like you're pleasantly surprised. I am ple- very pleasantly surprised, and not in like kind of a like with Godzilla. I'm like, yeah, I played this for 30 hours because I'm a Why fan. Why did too I stupid. do it? <laughs> too stupid to put it down because they have all the right sound effects in it. This is more like, wow, this is actually pretty fun to play. Yeah. Like, and the way you swing around, and then you can lock on, and like you sort of like move around and target in. You let go of everything, and you start to zoom in, and then you get the kind of the zoom thing that tells you like, oh, you're at max speed, and now you can hit the sword. You know, there's a lot of timing. And a lot of like sort of play- there's a lot more player control over what's happening than I expected there to be. I thought it would be a much more auto playing game, and it isn't. And quick time events and, and stuff like and that. early and, you know eventually like it starts to get like pretty. Hard. I mean, when the Titans Hard. swarm you, like if a Titan walks between you and the Titan you're locked onto, it will break your line. Oh. So like you can't just like swarm through these guys. Like you have to like event- sometimes I've had to pull back. And find another way at them. Interesting. And I'm just like, oh, there's actually, you know, they're not just like letting you coast here. Yeah. There's a couple places where they're not messing around. And I also really enjoy that, you know, there's, there's like the the story mode and sort of the free play mode, and uh, the all upgrades and experience points and and level ups and everything are shared between them. And all upgrades for your gear and everything. There's a big gear crafting system in there. All universal. You, okay. don't have, you don't have to do it per character. It's good, everyone good. gets the same gear. You know, your maximum upgrade, uh, what you've chosen, it all is persistent across all modes. So at no point do you have to just grind the same thing over and over again, which I know you would have had to do if Koei had made this like 10 years ago. Yeah. Well, it sounds like a pretty uh, auspicious debut. I'm sure we'll if probably they, get a sequel at some yeah, point. Yeah, if they ever make season two, I'm sure, I'm sure they'll make another one. All right, let's talk about... It gives uh, me a little hope for that Berserk one they're making. Yeah. Maybe they're finally starting to turn over a new leaf. Maybe. Uh, I don't know, though. That's a hard one to believe. <laughs> that's but an like... old leaf that's been lying there for a long time. <laughs> don't touch that leaf. It'll, it'll just... Crumble <laughs> apart. <Yeah. laughs> All right, let's talk about World of Warcraft Legion. came out this week. I, I've played World of Warcraft a total of, like, four hours my entire life. <laughs> I'm not even exaggerating. I've played four hours, uh, ever. I played... You I, played a lot. I played a fair amount. Um, it was... Uh, Back in the G4 right, days. Yeah, right before play. Wrath of the Lich King came out, Morgan decided that we're all going to play World of Warcraft. So yeah. we were playing World of Warcraft. And um, I played a Rhett Paladin back before uh, they blew those out of the water. And uh, we played through the end of Burning Crusade and most of Wrath of the Lich King. I got to the level cap. We played a bunch... You know, played all the dungeons. We did some of the raids. We did, you know... I felt like I'd experienced what there was to experience. I, you know, got the top gear or whatever, and I felt like, oh, I played World of Warcraft, and I so I think I played for probably 200 hours around a lot. there. And uh, then Cataclysm came out, and we're like, all right, Cataclysm, let's go. Uh, I had my uh, my Worgen picked out, Worgen Meb, <laughs> with her with her permission. Yeah. Um, and I was like, let's go. And then we played for like one night, and everyone's like. This sucks. This, let's go. Let's go away. <laughs> I, it was, I don't know what it was about Cataclysm, but every, we all at the same time simultaneously were just like, nah. I don't like this. Yeah. Like, yeah. And so I don't know. And based I, on that, and do you I, have any interest in Legion? No. None. I, I've heard it's pretty good, and there's people I know who are playing it again for the first time in a long time that say it's really good, but I don't care. Uh, they, they well, did one a, guy apparently hit the level cap in like six hours. Yeah, well, the level cap is, you know, that's where the game starts, as they always say. Well, when you hit the level cap. Yeah, pretty much. Like, a lot of people, people play the MMO seriously like, and consider the end game to be the real game. Basically. Yeah. Like the level cap is just to get to get you. It's, it's like the Final Fantasy 13 thing. After 40 hours, it gets it good. Gets good. <laughs> um, but I mean, they did do a thing of, like a month or two ago where um, it was like, oh, seven days free game play time, and you get like you know Warlords of Draenei, Draenor, Draenor or whatever for free. 
or whatever. Basically, it's like we'll get you, you know, for free. We'll get you all the way up to speed with expansions, if you, you know, and encourage you to buy Legion, you know. And so, like, it's just I, like the drug dealer model. Right. So, so I signed up, and again, so, you know, so I'm like, okay, sure, I'll do this. So I went, you know, I got seven days free. I logged in, found all my characters again because they're all on. I mean, what server? And they didn't show what you had on what server. So I'm like. I think we're on this one or that one. So I found all my characters what and logged in. What do you mean? In. If you could remember where your character was, you would just never be able to find it? Well, that seems spo- insane. Well, they're supposed to show you, like, oh, here's the server you've got in, like, a little princess. like, four to show you've got four characters. But that wasn't popping up for some reason. Oh, wow. So I had to, like, so I had to just sort of remember what servers we were on. And I think I texted a couple people. I'm like, what were we on? What servers <laughs> do we play on in World of Warcraft seven years ago? Yeah. Do you remember that? And, um... So I found them on, I logged, you know, and it's just like everything has changed so much that I don't even know, I wouldn't even know where to begin, you know, all my, every sort of imaginable level up point has been refunded to me, and I don't, I'm like, I don't know, I'm like... When and, did that, or why did that happen? And now it's all like super accessible, it's like, oh, you want to play a dungeon? Here's the dungeon screen, here's every dungeon in the game, click it, we'll put you in a, you know, it's I'm like, wow, they... They, they kind of had to do that, yeah, though. Yeah, sure. Because but, it had gone so far down the rabbit hole, and it had become so meta that only people who had subscribed to it for oh, years yeah. and years would even know what the hell to do. And I kind of ran around, and I logged in all my characters and poked around and like looked at the character creation stuff and all that. I was like, hmm. And I closed it, and I didn't look at it again. Like, that was it. <laughs> it was, I'm just like, I don't want to start a new character, and I my old characters are, are almost like strangers to me now. So I'm yeah. just like, I don't... I just don't want to... I don't care. And also... I've really hit the point with the MMO thing where it's just like, MMOs aren't fun. They have never, I don't like, think they've ever been The actual fun. gameplay <laughs> is not fun. There are social the experiences, the community it, yeah. thing, yeah. But in terms of like just playing the game, like I've never found one that I thought was fun to play outside of. I think I enjoyed SWOTOR as its own game yeah. for the most part. But even that had a lot. I mean, once they got rid of all the weird grind, once they changed it about a year and a half or two years ago so you could play SWOTOR just do the story missions and hit the level cap and just you, you never had to do side stuff. Right. That was great. Because yeah, yeah. you still had to do all this stuff where like, okay, I got to spend like 10 minutes driving through this MMO area to get to the next thing. There's a lot of crap like that. But the fact that I didn't have to do 14 side missions to be strong enough to like do the next story mission was great. But I could not possibly give less of a shit about the story in Warcraft so like, to the point I that, that I didn't, you know, when I saw the Warcraft movie, I didn't realize half those characters were established characters. I'm like, who are these people? I, I, I don't know. I don't know the lore of Warcraft. Right. I don't care about that. It's pretty complicated. It's very complicated. Yeah. Which is probably why most people don't know. I mean, when was the last time you looked at the name of the guy who was giving you a quest in Warcraft? Right. I mean, it's like, no. Like, you need what? You need how many how many bull testicles? Great. I don't, okay. know. <laughs> I don't know what your name is. Uh, bear, bear, what was it? Bear asses is yeah, sort of the yeah. standard sort of fetch thing. <clears throat> okay. Do you think that uh, this has any chance of rejuvenating the, the WoW audience? Uh, not tremendously here, but I bet it'll be a big hit in China. That's probably right. Where the movie also did very yeah, well. Yeah, where the audience is. So are you going to play it at all? No. No. I don't plan to. What if uh, this weekend someone who you used to play WoW with calls you and says, Hey, Matt, no. I've been playing Legion, and I love it. You still won't give it a go? Not unless everybody else comes with me. Like, As in, like, ten people yeah, or something it like, was like It was fun because there was a bunch of us every night playing together. Yeah. And, like, once that stopped, like, that was the end. You know, that's not interesting beyond. I guess why I'll play SWOTOR because it's basically a single-player game now. Whereas, like, Warcraft, like, I don't want to just wander by myself through that game. It's not yeah, interesting. Yeah, I don't blame you. And, like, Frank, and the other thing about those games is, like, I don't think the moment-to-moment gameplay in, the, in those games, that game is fun. So, like, 
the only thing keeping me going is like you know the social experience and frankly I don't care enough to sort of try to you know I could probably get people together to do that but I don't want to yeah. you know like I just feel it's like a big hassle yeah for minimal like, payoff and I know me I know eventually I'll get tired off something else I want to play tonight or that night or whatever and I don't you know, but then you're trapped in you're that thing where it's in. like, yeah, you're trapped in that thing. Well, I can't let everybody down. I'd rather be playing whatever, but I got to, yeah. And Gaming it's like, and, guilt. And that's no way to live. It's so. not, no. <laughs> I kind of figured, I just wanted to get your impression because I knew, I knew Matt was a big uh, WoW player back in the day. Titanfall 2 Tech Test, Weekend 2. No go. <laughs> no go. I, uh, we talked about it last week. I was shocked by this. I thought I just missed the window. I no. tried to download it Saturday morning, and I couldn't find it. And I thought, like, oh, they, they must have closed that off real fast. Oh, well, they did. They what, did. So what happened? Much faster than I expected. Yeah, so Matt and I will never get to play the tech test, because basically to play the Titanfall 2 tech test, you had to have downloaded it on the first weekend. So I was out of town, couldn't download it mm-hmm. when it was up. Just like you, I went in, I think it was Saturday morning, and I'm like, all right, I'm going to sit here and play Titanfall all afternoon. And I could not find it to download. I'm like, what the heck? What is going on? So I start like looking on like xboxlive.com and like I go look like on P- I cannot find it to download anywhere. And as it turns out, if you did not download it the first weekend, you could not play it the second weekend, which based upon all the changes that they've made to this game, based upon player feedback from week one and the changes they made for week two, I cannot believe they would not let, let new people in because these other people who played Weekend 1, they're already soured. Like, either mm. they loved it or they hated it, but either way, they've already built an opinion around it. The chances of completely changing their opinion or getting them to reverse any messaging they put out on social media when they said they didn't like it in the first week, how many people are going to come back the second week and say, I like it a lot better now? Like, yeah. hardly anyone. Like, people like to complain. They or they're just like not it. even going to load it up. Right. Or they may, we don't give it a chance. Well, you know, here's Matt, two clean slates. Matt and I were two clean slates who could go into this second weekend our minds completely wide open and open to the game being awesome and we're shut out of the whole thing like it makes no sense yeah. and there was even a thing it might have been an error i don't know because there was a thing where i was like how do you get into this thing it's like okay yeah because right on the tweet the tweet i think it's like you know search for titanfall look for, you know find the 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 tech test one load it up download it and play i'm like it really the way they phrase it really sounded like you could do that if you hadn't played it before right because oh, if yeah. you hadn't if you had played it before why would you need to go find it and download it there again? was no messaging on their official site saying you cannot play this anymore no. nothing like they would still say go here do this do this have fun and it was gone so because that's what i was doing i was searching because i remember i read that so i'm like okay so i'm searching for titanfall 2 it's Titanfall 2. It's Titanfall 2 Deluxe Edition. Where's the? That was the only thing that came up. Yeah. So, I, I was like, well, did I miss? I, I did. I figured it was. I figured I did something wrong. Yeah. Uh, but apparently, no. Yeah. So after they all, did something wrong. They did. Yeah. So say. after all the negative press they got for the first weekend, they did not give themselves a chance to recover from it by getting new people in who don't have like these negative impressions of the first mm-hmm. weekend. Who could come in and just be like, I love this. Or, I don't know what you're talking about. This is awesome. Or, or like, hey, I didn't know the first one happened. I'll play it this right. time. Yeah. And it's like, that doesn't seem like a very far-fetched scenario. Especially since because, like, you know, 
they didn't really they didn't put it up on the front of PSN. It was like, hey, come play Titanfall 2 yeah, Tech yeah. Test. It was like something you had to know about. Yeah, so, totally. Like, Which is the way a lot of these big betas are for whatever reason. Like a lot of times they don't get any promotion on mm-hmm. like the front page. Unless of there's something you get for pre-ordering, or unless it's a Sony beta. And right. Then of course it's yeah, Uncharted. Sony. Yeah. Yeah, there it was. Like you couldn't miss it. Like you didn't have to go to the store to see it. There's like a <laughs> little tile that like popped up on like your PlayStation 4 home screen telling you about it. It's so like, hey, I see you're playing Killzone. How about you play Uncharted instead? It's like, yeah. what you, oh. And look, I'll be the first one to admit that, yeah, I'm salty I didn't get to play it. I'm pissed off I didn't get to play it. And that may be feeding into my ire a little bit here, but it just, to me, it doesn't make any sense from the perspective of Respawn or EA. No. I mean, I'm not pissed that I didn't get to play it because I have enough things to play and enough things to do. Um, but it, that doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, it doesn't to me either. That, so. I, I, I don't know. I don't know why you'd want to shut people, especially after you clearly have, like, you know, turned a lot of people off. Why you, if you apparently have done some improvements and tweaks, if you wouldn't, you wouldn't want to invite new people in to see how good it is now. Yeah, because also the other thing too, you got to figure is a lot of people played that first weekend and were like, "I'm not playing this again." Mm-hmm. And then in the second week, you have less people even yeah. playing it to get feedback on all these changes and improvements yeah. that you made. So. And a lot of people heard about it, I'm sure, for the first time after everyone started complaining about it on yeah. Reddit and other places. Yeah. So, like, I'm sure there's a lot of people who hadn't played it. You know, I didn't uh, really look at it because I didn't think anything was going to be particularly interesting. It was like, okay, it's Titanfall. I know what Titanfall is. Why do I care about it? And it turned out it was not Titanfall. Yeah, it was exactly. very different. <laughs> so, like, and then I, so after that whole thing, I'm like, oh, now I really want to play this. Because, yeah. like, it, apparently it's, like, not just, like, you know, a re- reiteration of what I've already played. It sounds like there's a lot of weird stuff going on. So I want to see what it feels like and what, it, what, it, what they did with it now and how it changed. Based, you know, from the feedback that people had given before, and like I couldn't do it. Yeah, it was, that doesn't make any sense to me. Boo to respawn. Boo to EA. But yeah, or whoever made that choice. Our next topics may actually bring even more boo to EA. Yeah. So, so this week, uh, Ryan McCaffrey, I believe, is his name. He is uh, mm. an IGN editor who has traditionally worked on their Xbox channel. I think he launched like. That Xbox website, fanboy site, or fan site that uh, IGN bought back in the day, what was it called? Team Xbox? Team Xbox, yeah. yeah. I think he was the guy who started Team Xbox like way back in the day. But anyway, he scored an interview with Peter Moore from EA. And if you guys don't know him, Peter Moore has been a fixture in our industry for a really, really long time. He was working at Sega when I first got in the industry. Mm-hmm. He was working there when Watched I worked. the Dreamcast. He launched the Dreamcast. I was working just a floor underneath Sega whenever he was working there. I've known Peter for almost two decades yep. now. That's and I was on the floor blowing. above. Yeah, you were. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. So I got a lot of love for Peter. I'm not going to deny it. Like, I have a lot of respect for the guy. I've known him for forever. He is a really, really down-to-earth, cool, mm-hmm. good guy. Which um, is pretty rare in the executive wings. With the the pay grade that that guy is on, it is extremely rare. In fact, I would say mm-hmm. he probably is my favorite game executive ever. Yeah, and, he, and especially as someone like if you recognize him, even if you're just like a random game player, like if you recognize him and go up to him, he will talk to you. Like he will, he'll be happy Dude, to, to meet you. Dude, his memory is incredible. So. First of all, I saw him at Pactor's party. I had not seen him since I left GT like three years ago. Immediately, hey, Shane. I'm like, hey. Like, (laughs) I really never dreamed he would recognize me still. I never in a million years. Like, I almost looked away when he walked by because I wanted to be awkward, like me looking Mm -hmm. at him like, hey, you know me. His mind is like a trap, and he proves it. He does this 
amazing interview with Ryan McCaffrey from IGN. It's like an hour and 15 minutes long. If you have not watched it yet, go watch it. His memory is like a steel trap. He talks about everything. Like first he started working in like running shoes. Then he worked for Adidas mm -hmm. and Puma and a couple other companies. And then eventually he got in at Sega. And he tells the whole story about what happened with Sega after the Saturn launching the Dreamcast, the midlife of the Dreamcast, going on a conference call with 600 people to tell everyone at Sega that they were killing the Dreamcast, uh, starting to line up all those third-party partnerships that Sega still has to this day. It is just fascinating. He talks about him getting, like, railed in South Park. I mean, he just talks mm. about everything. It is an incredible interview. Mad props to Ryan McCaffrey. He was well-prepared and did a great job. But even more props to Peter Moore. Like, he... You can just see how freaking smart the guy is. He remembers all these little anecdotes and stories from like 20 years ago that like I didn't remember at all until he mentioned them. Like just off the cuff, just like bam, 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 bam. Like I was blown away by this interview. But instead of everyone praising the interview for how great it was, what everyone's really talking about was a part of the interview. Ryan asked him about remasters and how EA has this huge back catalog of uh, games that it could just remaster, and there's all this money sitting on the table it won't take. And earlier, Peter was talking about how EA had been voted like the world's worst corporation or whatever, mm -hmm. like all those years in a row, and how they set up this task force to help with that. And that basically what they did is they changed their whole mantra to the gamer first. Mm -hmm. And how every time they're in a meeting and they make a decision, the last thing they do before they walk out of the room is, is this better for the gamer? Is this something? Mm -hmm. If I were a gamer, I would be okay with. And isn't, and isn't that interesting? Because I remember when that was happening, where it was like, you know, the, basically an internet crusade to get EA to win that worst company, right? The golden really poop. Dirty, yeah. Somewhat, but at the same time, like, okay, so EA won that, like, think two years in a row, and that was yeah, right around least. the same. That was right around the same time as like, you know, the the financial crisis, and like there yeah. were. I mean, there were banks. And mortgage houses. Yeah, he houses mentions that in the interview. And all that. He's like, wait a minute, and, all these people right. like robbed America and we get voted the worst right. company in America. But <laughs> think about it, like what's the difference between EA winning that and those guys winning that? Well there's a big difference. What EA, is, never, EA never ruined people's no, lives. Right, but no, what's the what's the actual difference there? EA I noticed. Don't know what Oh, EA noticed. EA yeah. noticed. You think yeah. Fannie Mae or Bank of America, you think they would care well, if they noticed, wanted to? But EA actually, this it it did something. EA noticed because of fanboys. There right. are no, like, banker fanboys. There might be. Oh, there are. Would never want to meet one. they would never care. Right. Like, those other companies would, you know, Comcast is not going to react to being given. They're just going to be like, ah, screw you, you know, whatever. Because you got NeoGAF who harps on about stuff yeah. like that. And, like, a lot of industry people go to NeoGAF. But it, I, think it's, I think it's interesting to, to note that, like, you know, while it felt stupid and juvenile at the time, in the end, the only company in that lineup that might have actually changed themselves based on that kind of feedback, actually was the one who won and changed themselves. Right. So I guess in that sense, it actually In that sense, out, it was right? actually a pretty good thing. Yeah. You know? It's, you know, I don't know if EA succeeding at that, at that goal in terms of what you're saying about, you know, is this good for the gamer? Yeah. Um, I think it's doing a pretty good it's job. Doing, I think it's, it's doing better than several's, uh, yeah. several others. I think uh, Mass Effect remasters would be good for the gamer. But, so, like, but we haven't got to that yet. So the big story that's come out of this interview is that Peter Moore, once and for all, said that they are not going to remaster Mass Effect. And last week, the rumor was that they were. Mm -hmm. That there's all these rumblings in the industry that they're going to make at least Mass Effect 1 remaster, Mass Effect 3 remaster. But, but if you knew anybody at BioWare and mentioned that, they'd be like, well, I never heard of it. 
So. But, I mean, look, the original developer hardly ever creates the remaster. True, although they but they, know they'd, about it. Still, they'd still have to give the assets to whoever's right. making it. They would, at um, the very least, know about and it. And Mass Effect 1 really needs it. It does, um, yeah. I mean, if I were calling that shot, I would completely redo the whole game in the style of 2 and 3. Yeah. To just change, because there's, it's such a different... Game interface-wise, yeah, yeah. Um, but at the very least, you gotta put, you should you know maybe put in some higher res textures and maybe controller support on the PC version. Um, I think it's a shame that they don't want to do that. It's funny, it's ironic but, because usually I am completely against remasters. So I'm like, you know, the games just came out five years ago. I don't really need them to go from 720p to 900p or 1080. Like, mm-hmm. I'd rather get a new game. This is the one case, like Mass Effect One where I can see how much it could be improved mm-hmm. with a simple remaster, and I'm on board with it, and I'm getting shut down. Like, EA's just like, no. And at the same time, I do admire EA, because it does know. And it, Peter Moore said, like, we know. We're leaving so much money on the table. It would be a fast buck, an easy buck, but mm-hmm. he's like, we're sticking to our guns. But that's the thing. He's like, you know, we're sticking to our guns of the gamer first. Well, if the gamer is telling you they want the remaster... Yeah. Are you really following that mantra at that point? I don't think. I mean, it's like, look, I know you don't want to take away. It's like on one hand, it's like, yeah, we don't want to take away manpower from you know making new stuff, but at yeah. the same time, I'm having trouble thinking about what new stuff you're making. Yeah, um, Star Wars, whatever. We got Star Wars stuff in the all pipeline. All sports sequels. All the sports stuff. Um, exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> Mass Effect Andromeda. Yeah. Presum- Which God knows yeah. what's going on with that. Presumably Edmonton's working on something else. They also said, yeah, there's another. They're they're finally going to officially announce the game that they teased quite a while ago when they first showed mm-hmm. off Andromeda. So and uh, and Bioware Austin's doing Swotor. Uh, and beyond that, I'm like, maybe you might. I what do you, I mean? Like, that's true of EA forever. They're like they've always sat on this huge back catalog of things that you know most of it took Gog and a lot of cajoling to get them to you know. It's the only reason we ever saw Wing Commander again, You're or right, Starflight, yeah. or right. any of that stuff. Like they don't, they don't, or you know, how in the world have we not seen a new Mutant League game? Yeah, like like people begging what? for that for forever. What you know, especially now with like indies, like you could just create a multiplayer version of it yeah. very quickly. Or the super popularity of Blood Bowl, like clearly the markets, even if it was just Europe only, I yeah. feel like there's a market there. Yeah, um, it's just super weird to me that they're not willing to do because it's. Can you imagine how much a fucking Dead Space 1 remaster would sell? It would sell a lot. It'd be huge. Yeah. Like, but I would say that that game is too early. Like, it looked pretty damn good already. It did, but like... <laughs> yeah, but I mean, when you're talking about... Like, I mean, I would want them to take, you know, uh, Starflight and make a modern game out of it. Yeah. I would. I mean, them, their back catalog's just loaded with stuff. Right. I would want them to take Wing Commander and make a modern game out of it. I would want... You know, there's so much stuff back there that they're just not using. You're right. How, yeah. is, how is there not a Mutant League game? <laughs> like you, there was a cartoon and everything. Like, yeah. like there, like, so it's odd. It's like I admire EA's ideals and what it's trying to do for the consumer, but I feel in this case, like, it's yeah. misplaced. Oh, not... Also, like, the end result, like, the biggest example of them, like, let's make a thing, do a thing for the gamer, is Mirror's Edge Catalyst, and that didn't yeah. work out for anybody. No. So... It wasn't a great game, and it didn't sell, so... No. It's already down to, like, 19 bucks I in places. I saw that. I'm surprised it's not down to less, to be honest. So, yeah, I don't know. Again, you should definitely watch that interview with Peter Moore. The interview if, is good. If you're like someone who's new to the industry, it will teach you so many of the important touchstone moments from the industry that if 
you didn't watch that interview, you'd probably never know about. But it's like if really... If you're new to the industry, I apologize for sitting through all this because I don't know what you're watching yeah, for. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's really valuable information, though, if you're serious about games. Uh, it is just, it's a fascinating story, very well told by Peter. I highly recommend it. So give, give it a look. It's time to move on to our questions of the week. Once again, again you guys did a great job of loading up the forum thread with questions. Uh, let's see, here's a first one from Danny Endurance. Would you rather see Joel and Ellie return in The Last of Us 2 or have new protagonists? Which of the two directions would you bet on Naughty Dog taking? Uh, I, would, I would want new protagonists uh, with like cameo appearances by Joel and Ellie, and uh, I think that is what they're going to do. I don't think you're going to play as Joel. At the very least, you would play as like an adult Ellie. Um, My... But I think those characters' story is told in terms of something you could stick with for like an eight hour game. And I think I would like to see what happened maybe five to 10 years later in a sequel, but I would rather it be new people. My knee jerk reaction is I want Joel and Ellie back. Um, you know, I fell in love with both of those characters through the course of playing The Last of Us. I have this personal attachment to them, but then I really start to think about it and I'm like, well, if Naughty Dog did such a good job attaching me to those characters in that amount of time, they can definitely do it again. And so then it becomes like a coin flip because Joel and Ellie are really good characters and they have this great relationship. There's lots of friction and, you know, can you put lightning in a bottle twice? I don't know. Like, Usually there's... not. I feel like their story is told. It kind of is. But and anything else, I mean, the remainder of that story is whether or not, uh, there's a lot of questions about what happens in the end and who knows, which of them knows what and what Ellie is aware of and what she's willing to accept. Right. And I think, I think that relationship, the only thing left to tell about the relationship is what happens in the wake of that. And so unless the game is going to be, and also like the inevitable outcome of that game, because they're going back to the place where his, uh, is it his brother or his friend? Where they've got that dam. Oh, I don't remember. Because they go back to the dam where they've got right. like the electricity and they're going to restart civilization or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and Good like, luck with that one. Have fun. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's the thing is the apocalypse of The Last of Us is a pretty manageable one. It really is. It's like, yeah. don't breathe the spores. We got gas masks. We're cool. Like, just, you know. Well, yeah. other than the creatures running around. <laughs> right. But like, there's a finite number of them and yeah. it's not as simple as like. It's not as complicated as like, oh, anyone who, you know, like in Walking Dead, if you die, you come back as a right. zombie. So like, even if someone dies of the flu, like all they, of a sudden you got a zombie in your camp right, kind of thing. Yeah. This is like a, you know, it looks like even in Boston at the beginning of the game, it's like, it sucks, but people got a handle on it. You yeah. know, like don't go here in here. Okay, you know, we see the spores, put the gas mask on. Like, it's a manageable thing, right, and eventually right. we'll we'll probably win out over it. But like. Um, the thing, you know, because like the the only outcome of how you get them into a new game is like, well, something has to go horribly wrong at this place they've settled at, and like I feel like they've been through enough. Yeah. Like, the only remaining dramatic complication to that relationship is whether Ellie believed what he said at the end of that game. You're right. And I, I would rather find out that story from her firsthand later as sort of an interaction rather than have to play through it. I don't think there's a lot of gameplay meat on that. I think it would sell better if Joel and Ellie... That's true. Joel and Ellie were Probably the possibly uh, true. protagonists. Um, but but I think who it's, cares about that? I, think I don't not, care about sales. I think, well, yeah, I'm not thinking about sales. But at the same time, if Naughty Dog's name is on it, I think it's going to sell regardless. All right. Next one from Alex. Do you think we'll get a 2016 release date for the Neo during PlayStation's September 7th event? I'm thinking in an October release along with PlayStation VR. Possible, but I don't know at this point. I would. I, I'm, I'm thinking unlikely. Q1 2017 at this point. 
I think it's highly unlikely. We haven't heard any really any rumblings about retail. It's like we said last week yeah. on the show. It's like if somebody got a hold of the Slim, which is probably coming out either the day of this event or the Sometime day of PlayStation month, VR. Yeah. It's one or the other. We probably would have also got somebody who got a hold of a Neo, and that well, has not Neo's been the case. launching. Yeah, but, you know, I think there's a possibility it might launch in November, like you know, just in time for Black Friday. But if it's not that, then next year. I think it's probably early next year. Uh, I would also say, no matter what, do not buy a PlayStation 4 right now. I think most people have got that yeah. message, but because the yeah. sales have plummeted, it was beaten by both the Xbox One and the uh, 3DS last month. So. I think people have gotten that memo. Yeah, the writing's on the wall there. Yeah, so, but just in case, do not go and buy a PlayStation 4 right now. There is a chance that it could come out with PlayStation VR. Yeah. It is, it's possible. I, I think it's highly unlikely. Yeah, I wouldn't put money on that one, but it's possible. Uh, let's see, next one from Ian Esquire. Any update on the next Platinum Journey, or are we only going to get one every three to four months? Well, I don't think it's been on that extreme of a schedule, but it has taken much longer than, uh, than anticipated. Um, right now, Adam is almost done with it. He emailed me like three weeks ago and said he was almost done. Then he sent me an email this past weekend saying that he had to put it on hold. I don't know what to tell you. It, it's just one of those things where... An, Do we episodes, know what game it is? Uh, yeah, it's Splinter Cell. Blacklist, I think it was. Oh. Yeah. Um, you know, it's not his primary job. He has another job and he has to work his other job and he has other projects going on. So, uh, you know, we can't force him to get the episodes done. When he gets them done, we pay him for them and we run them. <laughs> He's also on the other side of the world. He, he is. Can't, we can't do it. Literally anything. on the other we side. We can't get to him. Yeah, I can't go to his house with a baseball bat. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, from what, cricket he said, bat. from what he did say, he did say this episode wasn't quite as trying as Shovel Knight. So... Shovel Knight, that... was a, Shovel Knight was a crazy attempt. It really uh, was, dude. I still feel bad for him over that. But, uh, yeah, I don't want to tell you about that show. I know it does suck. I wish we had an episode for you guys every week. That would be awesome. But, unfortunately, with his schedule and the amount of time and dedication it takes to do that show, it's just not feasible. So, that's the best information I can give you. Uh, here's one from Rodrigo Garfius. Taking into consideration the No Man's Sky issue, why is... Why is in gaming why is it in gaming considered okay to permitted Wait, I can't understand what he's saying here at all. Why is in gaming no why is it okay, why is it considered okay in games to permit false advertising when you do this with any other kind of product it's illegal. Um, well, A it's not permitted and what you're describing is not false advertising. So that, well, it ha anything, so... That, it, false advertising is when an you put advertisement. A, an advertisement. <laughs> an interview with an enthusiast press site is not advertising. It's marketing, it's PR, but that is not putting in an ad the idea that, like, this thing... You know, the ad, I don't even think I've even seen any TV I have for no never Man's seen Sky. a commercial for No Man's um, Sky. I haven't even seen, like, a pre-roll ad on the and website. And trailers don't matter, because, look, uh, any movie, a lot of movies, look at the trailers, a lot of the scenes in those, mo those trailers do not show up in the movie. Uh, otherwise, someone would have shown, sued Men in Black 1 for uh, false advertising because uh, half that trailer is not in the film. Yeah. Um, it, it's you just, nailed it. I mean, yeah. it's not an ad. There is a law that says you cannot false advertise something, but an ad is something that you pay to run. Trailers, mm -hmm. interviews, video previews. Mm -hmm. None of that counts technically. Yeah, an interview, interview can be anything. They can say anything the hell they want. I mean, it's yeah. like... 
It's like it's just like you can't sue someone for when you know they're being interviewed for their new movie and be like, oh, we we worked so hard on having the script and all that. That's like, and you watch, you're like, there is no script. It's like, yeah, you can't turn around and be like, well, they lied in that interview. It's like, well, because no, they're they're, you know, you can't prove that that's not their opinion on things. I think what's happening is that a lot of people are struggling with like, who can I believe now? Mm -hmm. Because. You have the YouTubers who are starting to get busted left and right for doing shady stuff. And now you have, like, lots of developers who, you know, depending on your perspective, may or may not be intentionally giving false information about games. So I think a lot of people are just starting to wonder, like, where can I go and research games and learn about games and know I'm getting the truth? Like, well, there's a, there's a simple answer to that, but nobody wants to do it. Stop pre-ordering. Yeah. <laughs> wait for reviews. Yeah, and wait for actual, pe you know, not beyond reviews. Wait for actual people because to give you impressions. Because like you don't have to wait. Ha if you'd waited on the pre-orders and shit on No Man's Sky, I think the reviews pretty much nailed this one. They did. Here's what's like, happened though, Matt, is that people have for so long tried to discount publications and their reviews. Oh, they're bought off. They're paid. They're paid for, blah, blah, blah. Clearly, uh, Hello Games' checks didn't clear that. Yeah, I mean, but that's this is what the gamers have got themselves in by being distrustful of traditional publications. Like, they've shied away. They're like, oh, I'd rather have a YouTuber tell me whether a game's good or not. Or I'd rather watch it myself and decide for myself. Well, what people are learning now is, like, those are not good tools to figure out whether you should buy a game or not. Like, wait for the reviews. Matt nailed it again. Like... Wait for the real people who have been reviewing games all this time to review them, not some kid sitting in his basement who's been gaga over No Man's Sky for the last 12 months and like or play, if you don't plays it for five hours and says it's awesome. Like or wait for you know even impressions from non-reviewers, regular people on Reddit or whatever yeah, that buy that's it a good early. Tool you know, as well, yeah. Let no, them, wait for let, it to come out. <laughs> if this is becoming a problem for you, let them be the canary in the coal mine. Yeah. Like don't don't throw your own money after that if you don't trust publications it. Publications were like Matt said, pretty much on the money on No Man's Sky. If you just waited for the reviews to come out, you would have known exactly what the game yeah, was. Yeah, if, if you read the review, if you go through the reviews for the most part, especially like the ones that gave it around, you know, like a six or a seven out of ten, yeah. or maybe a little lower. Like I think most, you know, even Polygon. Like I think they all pretty much. I I feel like if you read those reviews, you know what you're walking into with that. Yeah, game. regardless of whether you agree with the score or not. Right. The actual content of the reviews told you what it was like to play the game. In an unbiased manner. Yeah, and someone I think, who loves the game. I, you know, I read those reviews. I'm like, yeah, that's that's accurate. You know, I mean, it's, like, it's a look. Start looking around at like where you're getting your information from, where you're getting your advice from. I mean, that's the problem. It's not. It's not even really Sean Murray's fault if you believed him. Like, mm -hmm. it's really not. You're the sucker, so to speak, who fell for all the tricks that these publishers are using now. And the, those tricks are using influencers, doing sort of pie-in-the-sky interviews, concept mm -hmm. interviews. Oh, they... I mean, in a post-Peter Molyneux world, you There's should... There's no excuse. There's no excuse for believing a man from Guilford anymore. <laughs> I mean, Hello Games is in the same city as Lionhead was. I mean, come on, people. Yeah. Um, it's, but it's like... Uh, I, I mean, I, that's an alien concept to me, the idea that you'd believe what's... I mean, not that I think these guys are lying. I think they're basically just trying to... They're describing features that, in the end simply don't make the final cut or there's a yeah. problem you know you don't know what's going to make it into your final gold master until sometimes a month or less before or you less. actually hit that gold yeah. master and while they should have probably delayed the game to next year because i think it'll be pretty good it by about be, this yeah. time next year i think it's pretty um, good now i think it's, it's just... why well, hey, man i've played 140 <laughs> hours of the yeah. damn thing i love it but it's yeah. like 
I'm not going to tell anyone that it's a comp it's an early access game yeah. I paid sixty bucks for. I mean, I mean, this just needs to be a lesson to if you got burned on no don't Man's believe Sky, anything. I mean, back yeah. in the day, we were always told don't believe the commercials, everything. You know, and but see, that's not the way millennials think, though, Matt. Millennials just want to hear good news all the time. And look, I hate to like pigeonhole a group of people, but there are studies that prove this. I mean, it's the like button. And there, there's mm. a like button, there's no dislike button. Like, uh, younger generation people, they want to hear positive things about everything. It's just, and I kind of like that. I like that they look at life that way and they're like, screw that negative stuff. I just want to hear the good stuff. I totally understand. I like that. But when you adopt that attitude and then you get burned because of it, mm -hmm. don't blame anybody else. Well, it's like the whole, like, oh, yeah, the, I mean, the lying accusation I still think is ridiculous because it's not lying if you think it's true when you say it. That's true. Yeah. That's not lying. I mean, he might, he, he's wrong in the end, uh, but, like... It would probably do him some good to come out and say, look, yeah, the, the lack this of feature was in the game. The lack of communication point. is really annoying to me. I mean, yeah. he hasn't tweeted anything besides patch notes in like he's burnout ten, though, twelve. I mean, yeah, well, you made your bed now, sleep in you're it. Right is what I I'm mean, saying. Look, yeah. you know, when you and all it would take is a little, yeah, and he won't talk to the president. I mean, just just be. I, I almost considered emailing to myself. It's like, hey, we're sifted, and Willie, if you want to just have an honest conversation about this, we'd like yeah. to do it. Here's my here's a screenshot of my hours played in Steam. Oh, like, by I'm the way, I'm not here to nail you. Oh, um, by the way, here's the Swagosaurus Rex. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that would, be, that would be the scandal for that. He'd find out that I'm the one who captured that and it would be all be over. It would all be over. That thing has popped up in so many, so many things. In fact, it was in the Honest trailer. It's like, anytime yeah. anyone rips on this game, my Swagosaurus shows it's up. It's insane, dude. And I'm like, I put that up because I thought it was funny. It is funny. it was cute. That's why people use it, I think. But I thought it was adorable. Like, right. I mean, yeah, it looks stupid, but I'm like, that's... You didn't think it would become the poster child I didn't think it would become the poster child for how terrible... I mean, I, I mean, I think I thought that Jurassic Park video, which got pulled down... I think from a music claim. Really? Because of the Jurassic Park theme. Oh. I thought that was hilarious. It was, like, yeah. That was perfect. I wish I'd <laughs> thought of that. Okay, this next one kind of ties into the last one. A rewind, replay. Do you foresee a future where video game journalism no longer exists? And what will the industry be like when that happens? I think you're seeing what the industry will be like when that happens right now. Yeah, you're With No Man's Sky. Off. You're seeing it. You're seeing what happens when real journalists are taken out of the equation and influencers take over and marketing hype takes over and early interview yeah. it, it's you're seeing it right now this backlash over no man's sky is exactly and the i mean that also ties in you know, a lot of the the major sites as well they'll very positive sort of like like oh my god this game is amazing but it's like the pitch is amazing yeah but like I feel, and correct me if I'm wrong, I feel like your game trailers, I mean the game trailers of your era, yeah. would not, would have asked the questions that needed to be asked before. Oh, you mean in interviews? In interviews, oh, or yeah, preview interviews. Sure. It's like, yeah, can yeah. we like, hey, well, how does this actually work? Yeah. What, what, can you show us that actually in motion? Can you, you know, yeah. and no one ever followed those, those, that was the thing, because like, I never Nobody had, watches interviews right. either. <laughs> well, also, but also, I never <laughs> they had. They go the, back and watch it when they need to use them to prove right. their point. But I never but had, when you publish I never them, had the question of like, you know, oh, what do you do? Like, I, you know, I knew what you did. Yeah. But like. Digging deeper. Digging deeper and digging deeper in terms of like, oh, you're going to be able to do this. Oh, really? Let's see it. Yeah. Like, because, okay, I, I, sh I understand you can't show that to us in real time because it's such, you know, a vertical slice of that game is hard to do. But can you go back and give it, and, you know, capture some footage of it happening and Well, the other thing we to did, us? too, with our content at GT is that one of our mantras was, if you say it, show it. So right. 
if we did an interview and they would talk about something that we could not show, we just chop it out. That Same. was just our. We would, we would do that at X Play too. you put in place to cover your ass like on down right. the road. So you're well, not. We would do that at X Play too, and I would, you know, every time we do that interview, I'd always be, uh, you know, they'd say something, and afterwards, I'm like, I'd have it all written down. I'm like, can we get footage of this, this, and you this, email this? the PR person and be yeah. like, nope, what we gave you is all you get. Yeah. And they're like, all right, well then that stuff doesn't go in the interview. Yeah. yeah. Um, and like. To some degree, maybe that's, you know, you could also spin that and it's like, well, we'd rather have, hear them lie, yeah. even if there's no footage to cover it, so that later we know they lied or whatever. But again, um, that was sort of a thing that when I, was, when I would edit those, those interviews, I'd be like, well, if he said it and there's no footage for it, that means it might not even be in the game, so I'm not going to put that in because I don't want people to, to get, you know, disappointed by that. Yeah. And maybe that's just a, a difference in, ter- you know, some people, I guess, would call that me shilling for them like trying to protect them yeah but in the end it was mostly just like it's going to look shitty on television yeah <laughs> you know, but like but I, to answer I, your question though do we see video, video game a place where video game journalism no longer exists no i don't because people are going to start valuing this again i don't know if you watched uh last week tonight with john oliver where he talked about like newspapers and how they're all going mm-hmm. away and how all these websites have been built in social media is built on taking the content mm. from the real journalist, journalistic outlets, yep. and then repackaging it, rerunning it. So what happens when there's no real outlet to start the information, which right. is what's happening? Like Because the, the sites that, and places that get the big hits and all the views aren't the ones who made the story. My wife works in the newspaper industry. I'm not going to say exactly where, but she does work for a major newspaper conglomerate. And they're going through all this now. All these little papers that they, their, their affiliates or whatever are all closing because it's dead tree media and they can't survive. If, paper, if major newspapers go away, it, it could be disastrous because already there's so much incorrect information being sent out through social media. I mean, right now, you could completely make up a story, post it on your Facebook feed, and just watch people share it. Nobody Mm -hmm. will ever check its validity. No No one will ever fact check it. You could just make up anything. Well, that happened happened multiple times with uh, uh, over the weekend. Was it? It happens every day. It was earlier this week. It was um, the the quarterback for the Vikings, uh, Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah, Bridgewater got hurt his knee. Yep. uh, Got carted away with an ambulance, and in the period, a couple of hours between when it happened and when you know they came out and had a press conference to say exactly what happened. Three or at least three people created fake Vikings or whatever or press Twitter accounts and tweeted out like the worst amount, like compound fracture of the, and it got they got thousands and thousands of yeah. retweets and I mean and people were like oh my god his leg was sticking his you know his leg was sticking out of his ear and all yeah, yeah like yeah. there was there's no attempt to, and like it's like yeah the guy who tweeted this has like four followers and has existed since today I mean you see it no with politics checks. right now like really badly like so many on both sides fake stories coming out about the two candidates. If these if these real papers, these real outlets go away, you won't be able to trust anything. Yeah. I mean, I'm not exaggerating. You're going to be in straight-up idiocracy I'm not being mellow, melodramatic. You will not be able to trust anything. So I think eventually people are going to realize this. They're going to get burned again. No Man's Sky is just one. It's going to happen again. These people are they're not going to learn the first time. Eventually they are going to learn and they are going to return. I don't think it will ever go back to the way it was. You're never going to see... No. 50 huge video game websites all thriving no. like there was in like 2006, 2008. But at a certain point, people are going to finally admit to them, it's like, well, you know, why, you know, 
are people always going to be correct or, or honest or straightforward or not exaggerating when it comes to these sort of preview things? Well, no, because that's just not how it works. And remember, always in those situations, these people want to sell you something. Yeah. That's it's like the T. Martin thing. So he gets busted being totally shady. You know, another YouTuber gets busted doing stuff he shouldn't be doing. He loses a ton of subscribers. And then over the course of three days, like, some people come crawling back. And so he gets some of them back. Bottom line is he lost some. He does it again. He's going to lose more. And the more other people start getting caught for doing that kind of stuff, the less faith people are going to have in these folks. And slowly they're going to wise up and they're going to start migrating back to traditional mm -hmm. journalism. And, and if they like, don't, I don't even want to know what happens. Well, in meanwhile, world. with stuff like Not that, with can, you, can you point to anything equivalent of that in game press before that? Like, because no. I can't think of any. I mean, there have been some publications that I, whose opinions didn't align with mine. And I mean, you mean, as far as the T. Martin thing? Yeah. No, I've like, never that seen. That just doesn't like happen. Yeah. Like the worst you can say is like, well, this. You know, I mean, I guess uh, Play Magazine had some moments where I'm just like, but like Play Magazine and like Dave Halverson and all that stuff. Like, he's crazy, but yeah. he wasn't like maliciously on the take or like. There's I mean? been a couple like people who were exposed for reviewing games without playing them. Like there was a notorious yeah. Eternal Darkness review where a guy reviewed right, it for a magazine. Right, right. And had never played it at all. Or the thing with like uh, with uh, there was a I remember the Tomb Raider I think it was Tomb Raider Angel of Darkness in Maxim, and the reviewer it turned out the reviewer was a freelancer who wanted to give it a one out of five or something, and the editorial staff just changed it to five out of five. Yeah. And so like if there but, are but it's like, but again, Maxim is not GameSpot. <laughs> yeah, it's not, you know, like, yeah. like it's like yeah, don't look sideways at the mainstream publication, especially back then. Yeah. It's like why are you reviewing a game? Probably there's money in it for yeah. you. But like in terms of you know the, the the hardcore sites, like I don't know anything. I mean, other than like every once in a while you're like, dude, really? Like, but that's just a disagreement. Of that's opinion. just a disagreement of opinion. Yeah. And also, let's not forget, like one of them. Like, I think I brought him up before, but Mick LaSalle, movie reviewer for the San Francisco Chronicle, I've read him my whole life. I have never agreed with him on anything. He he loves like you know pretentious weird indie movies about you know starving gay baby whales or whatever, <laughs> and hates like popcorn fun blockbuster right. things. And I mean I like the occasional starving gay baby whale movie, but like <laughs> I also love the blockbuster stuff. So right. when it comes to like the big you know slam bang summer pictures, I would always read his reviews, and if he hated it, I'd go see it, yeah. because I would always like the things he hated. Yeah, and like that makes him a valuable reviewer. For sure. But the other thing, too, is that you start to learn right. what that person likes. He doesn't, doesn't have like. to agree with you. You just have to know this person's take. You have to, he has to write it well enough that you can be like, well, he didn't like it, but nothing in that sounds like anything I would dislike. Like, the review isn't meant to agree with you by default. The review is meant to inform you about what this person thought. And the best thing, I, I would like to see if game journalism, you know, kind of had a resurgence in that regard. I would really like to see it... Um, I would really like to see it have like more of the cult of personality that it has developed in the last five to six years, where like you know who's reviewing this game, you know who this guy is, you know who this woman is that's writing this review, and you've read enough of their stuff that you like know how they disagree and do agree with you, and like you can make an educated decision whether or not you agree with what they thought of this game in the end. You can get a, your bearing on that game from that writing, and that's when a review becomes really valuable, whether you agree with it or not. And that is a lesson that a lot of people that consume game reviews have not learned yet. Okay, last question from Zet Saber: Has there been any game that changed your viewpoint on life? An example could be like Spec Ops: The Line and how they portrayed the psychological impact on soldiers. Um, 
having trouble coming up with one of those. Changed my life, like emotionally. Like changing my worldview. Your, your worldview, your perspective on things. Hmm. I mean, honestly, we probably should be able to come up with an example. Uh, if games are truly an art, we should be able to come up with an, at least one example of a game that changed our outlook on life. In theory? I mean, I would say a lot of my experiences playing games has changed my outlook on life for the negative. Yeah. <laughs> Dealing with, like, people and seeing these hackers, like, hacking and de doing denial of service attacks for no reason mm -hmm. whatsoever. Like, it has lowered my overall opinion of humanity. I mean, like, there are games like, you know, like Street Fighter. I made a lot of friends around that game because of, you know, the setting it was in and the social aspect of that game. But it wasn't really the game doing that. If you're talking about, like, a... I played some game and it made me like think, oh, I think about life differently now. Like, I can't think of an example of that. Super Mario 64 changed my life because that's when I realized what I wanted to do with the rest of my life. That's when mm -hmm. I realized I wanted to be a, become a games journalist. When I saw what games could ultimately become. And to me, that was the first game that really did that. Where I looked at mm -hmm. it and was like, oh, wow. Like, this isn't just running sideways for five hours anymore. Like, there's something more to this. And uh, so that game, like, changed my trajectory. I was going to be a sports writer. I was in school to be a sports writer. And uh, I realized I went into class one day, and I looked around, and there was, like, 15 other people in the class who wanted to be sports writers. And I knew a couple of them were better writers than me as well. And I was like, so wait a minute. In a year, I'm going to be slugging it out with these guys to try to get one of, like, five internships at the Philadelphia Inquirer. I'm like, I may make it. I don't know. I'm like, or... There's this whole other thing that I love just as much as sports that there's no one in this class who's talking about it. And that, and then that in conjunction with the N64 coming out and me kind of seeing the advent of 3D gaming and what it was going to be that I would say, yes, that changed my life. Hmm. Yeah, it changed my life trajectory at the very least. So I think part of my problem there is that, like, if I didn't read as many books, you know, because my degree is in li is English literature and... Yeah. Um, like, I rarely encountered an, a concept or an idea in a video game that I haven't seen expressed better elsewhere. Yeah. At least in terms of, like, the... No, I agree with you. A million of, you know. percent. Yeah. And, like, That's so... That's why I, I don't put a lot of weight in stories in right. video so games. Right. So a lot of it, I mean, a lot of, even the best stories in games are, are, are kind of like, oh, that was, like, you know, reminiscent of this, or clearly it's taking from this and that, and it's kind of synthesizing into a new medium, and that's really cool. But I don't think a game has really ever come up with something that made me like be like, oh my god, that's never been any... I've never thought about that before. It's never... There I have been games well, that... Spec Ops is a pretty good example. Spec Ops is a good... Well, because, like, well, that didn't change my life, but it did sort of change uh, how, how I, I look at... War. at well, I knew that about war, but it also has a comment to make about war games and yeah. how we use war in games. And I thought that was yeah. the more uh, salient uh, commentary in that game. Um, it's just too bad you have to play through, like, half of a mediocre shooter to get to it. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, you know, I could even go back and say, you know, playing Space Invaders for the first time in the arcade, like, that changed my life. Yeah, well, I mean, I, yeah, I guess, you know, I can, I can still... Uh, remember uh, when I was three years old, 1979, Farrell's Restaurant, San Mateo, California, walked in and they had an Asteroids machine for the yeah. first time. And I can still, I still remember, I can see that machine 
from like my point of view when I first looked over and said, "What's that?" I can see that in my mind's eye. It's one of my yeah. first memories. Is I like, saw Space Invaders at yeah. a skating rink, and that was the first time and I, I went ever over. Saw and my, my mom it had that uh, awesome side cabinet art yeah. with like them holding like the lightning bolts. I was like, "Whoa!" My mom what's turned that? the sh- turned the ship in asteroids, and I just hammered the fire button. Yeah. And I just remember like I remember doing that. I remember that day, and I remember thinking like, "This is it. This is this is what I'm gonna do." I Not in I... terms of a career, but I'm just like, "This is what I like. This right. is the thing that like." Is in my head now. Yeah. Uh, I would just say arcade culture in general. Just Yeah. I was going this way, and it just pivoted me and sent me off into a whole <laughs> other direction. Because, it, again, it was like the social element of gaming was there at the beginning. That's what I love mm-hmm. about gaming is that it's gone through ups and downs and changes, and there was an online play, and now there is online play. But what I love about it is from the very beginning, the heart, the core of gaming was social. Oh, yeah. It was going into that arcade and meeting other real people in the real world who love something just as much as you did and then putting your quarter down and seeing who was best at it. Like, competition, camaraderie, all of that. It was right there from the mm-hmm. beginning. And it's it's crazy to me that it took so long for it to make it full circle back to that, to where Xbox Live yeah. launched, and they're like, you know what, we're going to create the virtual arcade now. And it's a shame it took that long. I mean, obviously, technology was a big part of it and everything. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's one thing I love about this industry is that the the core concepts and the tenets of it were there right from the start. Yeah, so. there's an element of the arcade culture that has never quite been duplicated still. No, I remember the, the one I used to go Just to. Just the smell of the oh, arcade. Yeah. <laughs> that's the funny thing. I, I'll, I'll recommend this one to you. Have you ever been to the Fox Hills Mall down, uh, down Sepulveda? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've been there. Near the airport? Yeah, yeah. If you park like there's like if it's like there's a, you can park like at the upper level like you turn down the, the street go down the upper level park in the upper level and go through it's like automatic doors that go out and take you out right next to the Cinnabon near Target as you walk towards and into those doors it smells exactly like an 80s arcade uh, and I can still remember this and I will always go through that door to smell that I can remember the smell like it's yesterday yep. like I'm sure as soon as it wafts out, out of there you're like whoa yep I'm right back in gold mine it's in, almost uh, crazy in fashion how island the sense of smell is for me is one of the easiest things to remember that's because uh, your olfactory uh, sensors are right next to one of the key memory information it's sensors. insane but uh, anyway I think and uh, the other thing, I remember, uh, it's, it's just like things you don't have an equivalent of now where like you know, the arcade I used to go to was in this like really seedy part of downtown. They always were. And like the guy who owned it was this guy named Leaf. And he would, he was like a, he basically was like, he was kind of like, I guess you'd kind of say he was like um, John Candy, almost a big jolly man. Yeah, yeah. And he'd come in periodically. He didn't work there, but he owned it. And periodically he'd come in and... Um, Play Bubble Bobble. His favorite game was Bubble Bobble, and everybody would gather around to watch Leaf play Bubble Bobble because he was really good we at it. We had a guy that played tennis. And, um, Tempest at our arcade. He would one, he you know, he'd one credit finish it every single yeah. time, and everybody would just go, oh, "Leaf's playing." You know, it was, it, was, it was like, you know, Morpheus is fighting Neo. You know, yeah, like, that's go, the way it was. And, though, um, you're right. And like he would play it, and it got to the point where every single power up he would pick up had like a call and response thing to the whole to the group playing so like he'd pick up like the little the little uh, jingle bell thing yeah. and the whole group would sing we've got spurs that jingle jangle jingle <laughs> like the whole the whole arcade That's would like great, join man. in like yeah. when i watched cheers when i was when i was a kid growing up like cheers reminded me of that arcade because right. everyone at you know leaf would come in and we'd be like leaf you know like, yeah. it was like it was a total and it was like you know leaf was like 40 you know oh, yeah. like it you was, had it was, legends in your yeah. town like we had got one guy who was so, like so good at tempest when he walked in everyone quit playing mm-hmm. with their airplane and watched him play tempest yeah we had other people who could come in and like beat like miss pac-man on one quarter yeah. and you 
they show up, you just stand around and watch. Or like, one of the one of the other big memories space was the uh, in games like those oh, games space that cost yeah. a dollar. People that could only people who were only adults that could afford to play them, and then you just watch. Like them. people who were good at Dragon's Lair. Yeah. If they came into the arcade, people were like, "What?" Because yeah. they're like, "I can't afford to play this, but this guy will put in a dollar and he'll play through the whole thing." And I'll get to see all of Dragon's Lair. Like, yep. it was just, it was awesome. And man. the big event where, like, really a was. new game that everybody was waiting for would come in. And on the, at this place, they would, you know, they'd, they're all against the walls. But when a new one came in, they'd put it right in the middle. Yep. And they'd pl- get extension cords and plug yeah, it in. They yeah. did that with Gauntlet and Rampage. Yeah. And a bunch of those, like, the big classics, the big multiplayer, and Ninja Turtles yeah. and all the big, and Simpsons, all the big X-Men. multiplayer classics. And, like, you'd come in and there was this thing was right in the middle. This giant crowd was around. And, like, you'd be, like, it's the new game. behind it, like, sitting around the, <laughs> cor- like, around the corner, like, looking at it like that. I great. mean, I, I still, to this day, remember the first day Gauntlet showed up, first day Rampage yeah. showed up. Because like, you'd never seen it before. You'd never seen them move before. The, the, you'd only seen screenshots, if that. You never saw that. And if, all, all of a sudden, this thing was right there, and everybody and you had to wait, and like quarters were all up on the... You know, yep. That's the thing I missed, too, is like quarters being up. The sound of the quarter on the glass. <laughs> clack, the clack, clack, clack. And now, there was a time I was playing at Arcade a couple of years ago, and like somebody came over and put like a... Like a like a hairpin up. I'm like, what does that mean? Is I'm that like my spot, bro? Is that mean you're next, or just you just didn't want it anymore? Like, yeah. I, like, the quarter is a much easier. It is, yeah. But you can't play anything for a quarter anyway, anymore. I think we're so. droning on about our old days in the oh, arcade, yeah, maybe. But, but uh, to answer your question, yeah, the arcades I think were formative for both of us and changed our lives. And we could go on and on mm-hmm. about a number of games that were there. Which I don't time. know if that was the question because it was more like one specific game kind of doing it. Yeah. But it's like. It's it, you know it's it, it, the video game thing is inextricable from like kind of the life experience for me, yeah. but it wasn't any one specific game that did that. It was it was the events and results the surrounding them for sure. All right, so that's going to do it for Game Face Freestyle Episode Three. Who knows when we'll do another episode like this? Like probably not till next year. Yeah, next time next time Sam leaves town, basically, which will probably be the holidays, which we'll be leaving town anyway. So this may be your last taste of this format yeah. for quite a while. Hope you guys have enjoyed it. I think it's been refreshing for us to do a few episodes this way. It covers a lot. Yeah, we get to talk about a lot more topics. Also, consequently, you guys are probably wondering where Guyf is. Well, the reason Guyf hasn't been happening is because that's basically this. this yeah. We've been doing like every topic in uh, Game Face for the last few weeks. So Guyf will be coming back as well. I uh, just want to remind you guys to be very safe over Labor Day weekend. Do not drink and drive. Uber is way too cheap to drink and drive these days, people. Um, and if not, find a designated driver. Make sure you keep it safe. Have fun, though. Eat t- tons of awesome food. Spend lots of time with awesome people. And as a reminder, we will be AFK on Monday, Labor Day, doing the very same thing. So everybody have a safe restful and fun labor day weekend game phase freestyle is up and out